We could just we could just start. We can. We can just start. How do we how do we do this? Oh, sh- maybe maybe we should count. You think we should just count? Maybe we should count. Let's just do it together. Ready? Okay. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So then, what do I do? Now you can just start. Oh yeah, right. What is it? It's your future. It's called a stargate. Chevron Seven Lock. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 154. We'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episodes New Order, parts one and two. Parts one and two. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed, but typically when we are in a single space together, we have this rapport that seems to have a bit more energy. And we took a big break. That's true. So if you picked up on all that stuff, you'd be right, because guess what? We're in the same same place! (laughs) (laughs) So, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Zach and I, we don't plan our gimmicks. (laughs) We So, even though we said the exact same thing, we knew we were going to say that. We didn't plan. It just happened. We didn't even talk about the high five, although we knew it was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen, because that's what we do. So, yeah. So, we're going to be talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 8 premiere episodes super excited to be back in it i had a fantastic long break uh it was much needed me too Uh, thank you all very much for your patience also super big thank you to quasi showrunner david for Mm -hmm. number one uh putting together the um walking through walking through the stargate those were delightful that was a lot of fun to listen to it was so good to hear from the listeners about stuff it was I, I really enjoyed it quite a lot thank you for that also david thanks for texting us that i had to tweet about the episode that I've forgotten what our standard protocol was. <laughs> I completely forgot that I had even a Twitter account that I had to take care of. So um, l- thank you very much for that, David. Thanks everybody else for giving us the grace for mm-hmm. having a long break. Yep. Um, glad to put out some of the some of the Patreon first stuff out there. Uh, hope that uh, kept you all entertained. But uh, it was a good summer for me. It was. Uh, it was a super busy summer for me. Yeah. I, uh, was hoping that somewhere in there I would have a little bit of downtime, and that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just moving from one busy thing to different busy things. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Now, I was I was expecting. Normally, I think I mentioned this a hundred times. Uh, summer's a very busy time of year for me professionally. This year, while busy, was not nearly as crazy as it had been. And I don't know if it's because the summer of 2020 and the summer of 2021 were so bonkers mm. that this summer just felt comparatively smoother. But I really do think that it was smoother. Um, but still glad for the uh, ability to put this project a bit on the back burner and yes. focus on that other Yeah, stuff. I had a lot of things professionally. And so I'm directing a play at the community theater tonight. Yep. the last night of the show, which I'm really excited about. But that has eaten up almost all of my august and september yeah. um i've got business trips next month that are going to eat up uh, <laughs> two of my three two of the four month two of the four weeks yes. in october yes. basically um and this is the calmer 
part yeah. of things. Yeah. Well, friends, uh, you know the spiel, but I'm going to say it anyway. We're an independent podcast. Uh, we have remained independent. We don't take any dollars from uh, from from NordVPN or from, uh, let's see, HelloFresh or any of these other things that you constantly hear. Like, nah, none of no. that. We haven't been approached by any of them. And we'd say no anyway, but... We have been approached by various people who says, totally join our network of yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's happening. And we'll totally pay for everything for you. And we're like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, we know that that's, a, that's not going to happen. Anyway, um, we do have the Patreon. And Zach, when we started the Patreon, do you remember what... Of course you do. Do you remember what our goal was when we first started that thing? When we first started that Patreon, our goal was to pay for a new computer for me so that I could continue to podcast. Yes. And yes. we Guess have yeah. gotten... We did it. We did it. Yes, that's right. Yay! Yay! Hey, thanks, every. Th seriously, thank you very, very, very much to all of you. That Your support has been fantastic. The, we've raised enough money to pay for that computer. That's brilliant. We haven't figured out what we're going to do with that Patreon, but we're probably going to be changing it up a bit. Uh, Zach and I will talk more about it. We'll figure out what we want to do with it. Uh, you know, very crucially to the point, it's not going to change anything about the main format of the show whatsoever, but we're probably going to think about how we want to have that element around what it's going to look like, what it's going to do, how you can benefit from it or not. I don't know. We haven't figured it out. But the point is, is that we have succeeded in doing what we were setting out to do. And it was because of your uh, contributions to that. So thank you all very much. That was fantastic. Very much. Thank you. Now, if you have a friend in your life who is like, you know, I really, really think that seasons eight, nine, and 10 of Stargate are the best seasons that the, that are on that show. But I wish that there was a, I wish there was somebody out there that was seeing it for the very first time. How, and how might I be able to find that? You can tell them. You'd be like, I know where you can find it, good friend. You can find it on any podcast aggregator for sure. They just search Walking Through the Stargate. Or you can find it on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. And you'll have that fresh content in your life. And that friend is going to go, oh, this is the I'm so thankful to have you in my life to tell me about this. So there you go. You can expand, you can expand upon your friendships right and there. And your friend will give you a big hug. Yes. And they'll like, thank you, thank you, thank it's you. It's guaranteed to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Zach, if somebody uh, does that and they reach out to that good friend and the friend says, I want more, more um, Stargate podcast stuff in my life, and they tell them the whole spiel, and then that friend looks at them and they go, I can't believe you've ever suggested stuff. We're no longer friends. How might they get a hold of us to let me know that I'm full of it? Well, if we have apparently angered your friends, um, well, I am terribly sorry about that. Um, and if you need to vent your own frustrations and you need to vent your own frustrations at us, well, you can do that by emailing us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com, which uh -huh. is W A L K I N G T H R O G H D T H E. I can't do this anymore. S T A R G A T E at gmail.com. <laughs> Oh, boy. I looked away, and I was kind of grimacing as you were starting, because I was just like, is it going to work? Is it going to? It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. But hey, good But out. anyway, walking through the stargate at gmail.com. Yes. Or you can go to the Twitters. Yeah, that thing. And you can, you know, my understanding of Twitter is it's where people go to rant. So, oh. you know, go to Twitter and rant. I guess I'm doing it wrong. 
Oh, well, <laughs> it's okay. You just keep going on doing it. Wrong. Okay. That's <laughs> probably how it was going to be anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if, you know, you want to, to let people, if you, you want to rant at me and Brent not see it, yeah, that's then you true. go to Facebook that's and exactly you can right. rant there. Um, or, you know, just tell us about all of the wonderful, th- like, like if you got a great hug from your friend after you introduced them to walking through the Stargate, then, you know, you can tell us that too. You know, it's, it's not always about the rant. It could be about the celebrations That's and right. the joys. That's right. That, that, that actually would be preferred. But Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, or you can go to the website, but you can't really talk to us on the website, but you not can really. go to the website. Yes. It's WTTS.space. Space. Space. Or the Discord. Yeah, the Discord. Had, the, the Discord community has grown in the however yep. long it's been since we mm-hmm. were off the air. Yes, it has. And uh, it's definitely the spot for uh, community engagement, such that it is. Yeah. Like, that's it's a lot of fun. It's The Discord's great. So, yeah. So, the Discord invite link, I think, is on our website. If you're having trouble with that, then send a note in one of the other ways, and then we'll we'll get that thing taken care of. Yes, we will. Uh, but uh, yeah, but the Discord's the is the place to be for that stuff. Yeah. So yes, Zach. Yes, Brent. Back in the winter of 2021. Okay. I received a piece of mail from Vancouver. <gasps> yes, Vancouver is where they filmed Stargate. Uh huh. Yeah, good friend of the show and listener Kimberly. Kim, yeah, uh, yep. Uh, got a hold of the actor whose name I'm forgetting right now, who plays Anubis, and said, "I'm fuzzy on his name, but and uh, yeah." And said, "There are these nerds out there that are list that are that are watching your show, and they think that the that the um uh that the ghoul ruled are terrible enemies. Uh, this is this is quite a while ago now. Yes." And they need to be told differently. Can you please, would you mind sending them some glamour shots? Some signed glamour shots. Yes, they can't see your face. This is audio. (laughs) Well, let me just describe that I'm like, Yes, yes, Zach's Zach's mouth was, was wide agape. All right, so Zach has not seen these photos. That's true. I, I keep telling Brent every time he's planning to come and visit yeah. or that that he should bring them. And and so far, he's been oh for whatever. Yeah, it's been a while. But but now he is... I brought them. Now, half the reason why I keep forgetting about them yes. is that I'm pretty sure these are spoilery images. <gasps> oh. So spoilers. you know my rule. I try to stay spoiler free. And you know my talent. I have the weird ability to forget things. That's true. If I know I shouldn't know it. That's true. So I've been forgetting about these photos <laughs> for quite some time. But it is time for the reveal. Are you ready? I, I'm re- so, so he has the envelope with yes. the pictures in it, and he's slowly yes. pulling them yes. out. <gasps> oh, go, my gosh. So for you, here's, here's, here's mine for me. Oh. Yes. These are gruesome gruesome photos yes absolutely gruesome on the back of mine it says to brent i am the villain you've been waiting for and mine says hey zach best wishes peace symbol now bow before your lord anubis these are delightful kimberly thank you so much for having this sent over to us this yes. has been so cool thank we also you. uh should uh take ourselves a little picture of this stuff and post it on our social medias we should do that yes we can do that do right like right now or like you know we should do that right okay. now all right so so we're gonna be taking out our phones i mean i'm, I'm not gonna post it right now no and we all don't right. have time for that 
So, all right. So we'll get my here. We we'll get yours here, like that, like that, and then we'll get our faces like. <laughs> this is great oh, audio. Oh yeah, the way. no, no. You'll see what you'll see. Oh, that that that's actually a great picture. Those are some pretty intense faces <laughs> that we've got on our face right there. Uh, so yeah, we'll post those up uh, after we're so. done with the with the recording here and then you'll see what the heck we're talking about absolutely so there we go thank you again kimberly that was so delightful indeed thank you with that brent yeah uh it's been a long time but do you think maybe we should start getting into <gasps> this episode the beginning of season eight yes let's dive into this new thing. order yeah it is a new order so this was an episode that originally aired as a single double long episode gotcha so it aired a 90 minute you know, two hour slot, 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Um, and since then in syndication and whatnot, they've split it up into two and done all of that stuff. But it's designed to be one episode. And you may have noticed as you watched this, I presume you watched it in episode two episode pieces. Uh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, I mean, the end of one isn't even really kind of a, it just kind of stops. It did, it did stop. Uh, but but I, it, knew, I knew it had aired in one thing. Right. Yeah. So, but anyway. And I certainly watched it, like... And I did, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so anyway, the director for this episode, both episodes, and I will probably end up talking a lot about them as just this episode, yeah. even if it's these, uh, is Andy Makita. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hear his name a lot, because this is his first and second, depending on how you cut your pie, of seven <laughs> directing credits this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, there are only 20 episodes in season... Eight. Okay, and and I think that's true in nine and ten, um, and um, and there's several double longs in this season, aren't there? Uh, not double longs, uh, two parters. There are some two parters in this episode. Yeah, I think season. David was was yeah. alluding to that. Meaning though, that you and me are probably going to have like I don't know, shooting from the hip, eighteen podcasts about this season. Yeah, so let's see. That, that's double long. That's a that's double long with. Okay, so that'd be one. Two, beep, 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 beep. There's at least two other uh, two-parters, maybe a third. I'd have to look at the well, list. Point is that a lot. It'll feel like we're going to get through the season quote quickly unquote theoretically. Except that we're not because we're doing it every other week with Atlantis because we got Atlantis in here too. That's right. <laughs> um, so the teleplay for this is Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully for mm-hmm. part one, and part two was Robert Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, for Joseph and Paul, this is their first of six writing credits this season. Yep. And for Robert, uh, this is his first of five writing credits. Um, Robert will have several story credits sprinkled in there, and I might end up counting those at other times later on the season. So if my numbers change, then, you know, that's it, It's fuzzy math. It's, it is. Yeah, it's you know, fine. It, it's the new math. It's the new math. Yeah, where we count things twice. Or once, or depending once. on how we're feeling. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes twice and once at the same time. Aha. Uh-huh. Quantum. It is quantum. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so we have several guest actors that I want to talk about. First off is Tori Higginson. She plays Dr. Elizabeth Weir. Uh-huh. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail with her right now because next week or whenever it is that we get to Atlantis, yeah. um, next time, uh, she is a main character in Atlantis. Yes. And so I will focus on her when we get there. Now, when, um... That had to have been known, right? Because sci-fi was running promos for Atlantis, and as in, like that—that's I knew so, that, but I also know that that's not like really spoilery. It's not spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So by the time we get to 
season eight, we know as an audience member a couple of things. One, that uh, Jack is not going to die and that Jack yeah. is going to be the general. Yeah. Right? We don't find out that in story until the very tail end of this two-part episode. Yes. Uh, however, we know that he's going to be the general and that Elizabeth Weir is not going to be part of that. Yeah. And we learn very quickly uh, in that promo and development, because like when they announced the cast yeah. for, for that, you know, yeah, yeah. that's all announced. So at this point in time, when this airs, pretty much everybody who actually pays attention to this knows uh, that Tori Higginson is not long time. Moving over to the other show. Yeah, she's moving over. So we'll talk about her then. Uh, we have Patrick Curry, who plays Fifth. We mm-hmm. say hello again to him. We last saw him in the episode. Well, we actually saw last saw Patrick Curry in Space Race and other things. Uh, he was one of the aliens in Space Race. Oh, um, but we saw Fifth. But we only saw Fifth. Last time we saw Fifth selection. was on that next yeah. selection. Um, we have Kira uh, Clavel, who plays uh, uh, Matarasu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is from her website. Because uh, I, I looked on yeah. IMDb and there wasn't very much. Ah. She had a website. I'm like, okay, oh, okay, there we go. Kira Clavel is an artist based in Vancouver, Canada. Hey, that's where I got these pictures. Hey, absolutely. You didn't get them from her. She takes pictures. Maybe she took. No, she didn't. No, she didn't take those pictures. <laughs> she has walked for Chanel, Hermes. Is it Hermes or Hermes? Or? Uh, it's no. I heard it pronounced in one of the Hermes. Hermes. That's it. It is. That's actually Hermes. I think Hermes. <laughs> Escada, and she's appeared in ads for Nike, Levi's, Wonderbra, Estee Lauder, and so on and so forth. Uh, she has been featured in commercials for Diet Pepsi, Wonderbra, Wonder Bar. Yeah, there's a big difference it, between Wonder Bra. It's, it's Wonder Bra and yeah. Wonder Bar. Yeah. So yeah. and uh, Disarona. Yeah. Uh, her film and television credits include projects for Warner Brothers, MGM, Miramax, ABC, Fox, and MTV. Her years of experience in front of the camera for catalog editorials and on a multitude of television and movie sets has fueled her passion behind the camera. Oh. From conception through to final product, Kira brings a level of attention and detail to any project with seamless ease and comfort, making her a go-to for your creative visual project. That's kind of a a, a well-written copy. I would hire her to do my visual project. Yeah. She's got got, uh, examples of what she does uh, on her website. I I don't have a visual project. (laughs) Maybe well, I should have a visual project now, first. Maybe you should get a visual project. And then so reach you out. Can, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I can't afford it. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you pay her in Canadian dollars. Oh, is that how it works? <laughs> oh, then I can. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as, as alluded to, in addition to acting, she's also a photographer, director, and producer. Uh, she is known for Frankie and Alice, Rogue, and the Hunters, those are all in the early 2000 teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually also auditioned for the role of Taylor Imagen, uh, which you don't know yet. Nope. But she's one of the main characters in Stargate Atlantis. Oh. And we'll talk about ta- who got that role as Rachel Luttrell and that character more next time. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, but she auditioned for it. Um, her first IMDb credit came in 1996 in the TV series Highlander, hmm. where she played Koyantu 
in the episode Little Tin God. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we have Tim... Uh, Tim. Why, why did I say Tim? Because, I don't know. Maybe there was the tin. It was the tin. And yeah. Just, um, but we have Steve Basic, who plays Camulus. Uh-huh. Uh, and the last name apparently is pronounced Basic, although the an original pronunciation, from what I have been told, online, and of course the internets are never wrong. Never wrong. But it's a Ba-Cheech. Uh-huh. But it, oh, and I'm looking at the next bullet point, and I can see why. Yes, because he's born in Croatia in yes. 1965. So it's probably a C with a little thing, or like probably. a diacritic over the top yep, of it. But yep, yeah. yep. Ooh. <laughs> I used a fancy word. You did. <laughs> no more fancy words. Okay, no more words. Wait, no, Wait, we got to have words. <laughs> I didn't say no more words. No more fancy words. Um, unless it's unless it's appropriate. In I gotta case, use you got to use the fancy words. I got to say things like uh, like a little a little dash thing above the letter. As opposed like, to a diacritic. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's an apostrophe on top of the letter. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. It, yeah. it, no. Slanted. <laughs> it's a drunken apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> we are not. No, we haven't been drinking yet. You got to, I don't know, you're the director. You can just stay up there and have a beverage. No, I'm no, not, probably no, not in the place. Not, yeah, there There are rules against that. <laughs> Boo! Wait, no, Zach, it's your own play. <laughs> Right, oh so, man, I just so, wounded him. You should see his face. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll be great. Uh, no, I was just thinking about various places in the previous runs where where mistakes were made, and I wanted to boo. <laughs> <laughs> we won't talk about that. But I won't go into no. details on that right now. <clears throat> All right. So anyway, uh, back to Steve. A leading man. Oh, so this is. Yes, yeah, so this is a long mini bio by Holly Currency from Hollywood. It's pronounced Currency. There's a diacritic. <laughs> There's not a diacritic. I'm being so. <laughs> but, but she's from Hollywood's publicity. Oh, wow. Okay. All, All right, right, here we go. A leading man who is just as comfortable playing scary villains or comic sidekicks, Steve Basic has gone from strength to strength, culminating into a half decade of nonstop work. Half by, decade? By the way, this is like from the early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at like everything that's talked about, right? Okay, anyway. Uh, Wait a minute. Okay, carry on, and then I'm going to start criticizing. Please do. Shortly after he moved from his hometown of Windsor, Ontario, to Vancouver, British Columbia, he landed a guest starring role on the TV series 21 Jump Street in 1987. So half a decade of nonstop work from 87? No, no. So 92, he stopped working in 1992? No. Oh, he didn't? No, no. He, he He built up to a nonstop half decade. But but he this this is the on ramp. The on ramp. Okay, carry on. Eighty seven is the on ramp. We okay. haven't gotten to the nonstop work. Okay. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> he's got a ton of actual credits and a lot more after this. I'm being. I, I'm. I'm cheating, everybody. I'm looking at the show notes and I'm looking at all these. We're about to go into a bunch of years here, and why didn't he just say he like? Because if this was written in the early two thousands, why couldn't they have said he's been working for almost twenty years? Why did they say a nonstop half okay. decade? So I, I, I just, I just, I, I just want to say that given our critiques, don't ever ho- uh, hire Holly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Holly. 
But uh, anyway, okay. All right. Okay. Shall, shall I continue? Twenty one Jump Street. Twenty one Jump with, Street. With uh, with the uh, with the uh, oh golly, oh man. Peter DeLuise. Thank you, thank you, thank you for getting inside my head and pulling out those words because I had forgotten his name. I wow, I just got to look. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now a pat on the back. I think I needed that. Okay, Twenty One right. Jump Street. Okay, so. He landed a guest starring role on the TV series 21 Jump Street, the biggest part ever given a Canadian on the show at that time. Oh, wow. Multiple episodes of Street Justice, Mantis, The Commish, Highlander, Viper, and The Marshal followed along with important parts on The Outer Limits, The X-Files, Millennium, Andromeda, and a recurring role on the short-lived but critically lauded Prophet. Mm-hmm. But it's in longer form efforts, such as She Stood Alone, The Tailhook Scandal, Another Stakeout, I gotta make it bigger because my eyes are old and bad, <laughs> and Hardball, aka Bounty Hunters 2, oh. that Basic has really been able to spread his wings. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, a, an, quote, instinct player. He has been happy to learn the ropes from international stars like Gerald McRaney, Rosie O'Donnell, and veteran Tony Curtis. Mm. Basic regards one of his most unique professional experiences to date as being the time he looked around the room while filming another stakeout and realized he was alone with Rosie O'Donnell, Richard Dreyfus, Amelia Estevez, and the director John Badham, along with the writer and producer. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. There, Yeah, that's, yes. What I have learned for sure is that at least in the early 90s, his eyes worked. Yes, and in the early 90s, those people were huge. That's true. Huge. That's true. That's, you know. Yeah. Big. So, um, besides this, like, you know, he's also done things like, Blade, the series, Flash Gordon, a modern space opera, Battlestar Galactica, Razor, oh. Republic of Doyle, uh, When Calls the Heart, Garage Sale Mysteries, and a lot, lot more. Yeah. A lot more than half a decade. Yes. Um, <laughs> we've actually seen uh, Steve previously in SG-1. Okay. He played the character Major Coburn in the first ones, and then later in the episode Maternal Instinct. I don't remember. No, he was just kind of one of those guys in the background. He may have said, well, he like... he had a name. He did, but, you know, it was like, Major Coburn, do some stuff! Yes, sir! And off he went. And off he went. Uh, but the first ones was uh, we meet Unas, mm-hmm. and Maternal Instinct is when we meet Oma Dasala. Oh! Okay. Yeah. Uh, we will see Camulus again. Well, yeah, he's requesting asylum. Yeah, and he was actually you, received the assignment. But can you trust the Gould? Well, no. Mm. Well, we'll just have to find out what happens later. Okay. We will. Uh, now, uh, as mentioned uh, above, his first IMDb credit was the TV series 21 Jump Street in the early 90s. He played the character Tommy Boylan Jr. in the episode Wasted. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, now, in addition to that, we have Gary Jones... Playing Master Sergeant Walter Harriman. Davis. Um, he's still Davis yet, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Very clearly this time. Um, I think part of what happened is that uh, there actually was, in the Air Force, a Walter Davis. And so they had to change his name. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> uh, we have Vince Cristeo as Yu Huang Shangti. Yeah, uh-huh. We have Kevin Ott. 
I can't the his name. Anyway, he plays Ashu. Uh the the first prime. Yep. Uh, we have David DeLuise returning as Peter Shanahan. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> you know, we, we'll get into it when we get into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have some thoughts about that. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have Barkley Hope playing Lieutenant Lionel Pendergast. Uh-huh. Um, he was born in 1958 in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, he has done a ton of stuff with over 130 acting credits on IMDb. That's a lot. That's a lot. He's been in shows like Riverdale, Salvation, Unreal, Prison Break, Once Upon a Time, Supernatural, Sanctuary, Eureka, Traveler, Smallville, PSI Factor, Chronicles of the Paranormal, and more. Mm -hmm. He's been in tons of TV movies and such. Um, On stage, he's also performed both in uh, in both Toronto's Royal Alexandra Theatre and the Manitoba Theatre Central Productions of The Heidi Chronicles. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also appeared in Theater Direct's Getting Wrecked, Limelight Dinner Theater's The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, and the Stratford Festival's Death of a Salesman and The Country Wife. I've been to the Stratford Festival. Well, there you go. Yeah. I have not. I was a senior in high school. That's yeah. been a long time. It's been a long yes, time. Yes, it has. Yeah. We won't ask how long. Nope, it's been too long. It's been longer for me. <laughs> uh... Barkley Hope's first IMDb credit came in 1983 in the TV series Hanging In. He played Scott, Kent, and Monty in three different episodes, each character in a different episode. Oh, right, yeah, right. yeah, so, you know, right. Uh, so that's what he did, hanging in there. Just so. Now we have uh, Chila Horsdahl, uh, who plays Lieutenant Womack. Okay. Uh, she was born in 1973 in Vancouver, British Columbia. She is most well-known for her work as Helen Smith on Amazon's The Man in the High Castle, for which she's been oft-nominated and was awarded the Leo in 2017 and 20. Very nice. Chila's earlier life saw her working a variety of jobs from restaurants to interior design to event production while traveling extensively throughout her 20s. She came to acting later than most, making it her sole focus and career at the age of 28. Under the banner of her company, Phoebe Films, Chila is currently producing a documentary about her father, Canadian folk legend Valdi. Hmm. Developing both a short and feature that she's penned and continues to contribute whatever she is able to other budding filmmakers. She also places a great importance in mentoring younger female actors to empower them moving forward in a sometimes difficult industry. Chila works passionately to raise both money and awareness for animal welfare. This was an IMDb mini biography written by Natasha Trisco Pizzenti. Aha. Nice. There you have it. There you have it. She has over 145 credits on IMDb. Dang, that is a lot. One of the most recent ones is Star Trek Discovery, when she plays the Federation president, Lyra Rillick. Yeah, okay. half Cardassian. Yes, yes. So, there we go. There you go. I knew I recognized that face. Yeah. Mostly. I mean, you know, it was 20 years ago. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Uh, This is not the last time that we'll see Lieutenant Womack. Nice. We'll see her again. Her first IMDb credit came in the TV series The Hat Squad in 92 and 93. She played Young Woman in the episode 10 
and she played Call Girl in the episode Lifestyles of the Rich and Infamous. Oh, that's a clever title. Yes. Not, not, not. Robin, Robin, Robin Bloodsucker? Yes. I mean, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yes. I, I'm, I'm yes. aware of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. I'll probably cut that out. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, you know, who cares? And then, well, of course, we have James Bamford. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot of information on him, but uh, this is the uh, the the uh, human form replicator that uh, they beam into the ship, and then they have to shoot, and they figure out how the gun works. Yes. Uh, that's actually the stunt coordinator, uh, fight coordinator. He does the fight coordinator for Atlantis, and he does some stunt coordinating for both shows and such. Nice. So they needed somebody for that, and like, hey, why don't you get in there? Because you get to throw people like you know Christopher Judge around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suffice to say, they had some special effects that helped the chucking of Help, a giant helped, man. Helped throw Christopher Judge. Yes. <laughs> Either that, or he's an exceptionally good fight coordinator. Right. Uh, the original air date yes. for New Order was July 9, 2004, uh-huh. which was about four months after the season finale of season seven finale. So about uh, roughly the same time that we took a break. We took a break for about three and a half months. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's like real time. It's like real time. Like really real time. Really real time. <laughs> uh, number one on the charts in uh, early July of 2004 in the U.S. was I Believe by Fantasia. I have no idea what this song is. I don't know, but we're listening to it right now. Oh, that's right, because that's what I do. I that's forgot right. that's what I do. Well, aren't you glad I'm here to remind you? Yes, what you do? yes. I completely forgotten the format of the show entirely. Oh, my Yes. Well, it's a good thing that we have show notes. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this music playing in the background yeah. right now. So, yeah. so what is I Believe by Fantasia? Uh, it's, so it's been playing this whole time. So um, it's got to be a lovey-dovey song. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's absolutely. just been, it's just, it's just, it's just adorable. Uh, it's it's know, so just, lovely. It just, just makes my heart pitter-patter. Just pitter-patter. That's what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in the UK they were listening to Burn by Usher so right after your heart goes pitter patter we throw it into the fire and cook it (laughs) I mean don't mince it (laughs) let's just go straight at this Burn by Usher that's playing now yeah and I don't know that song neither do I (laughs) no idea so while we are listening to Burn uh, some things that were burning up the box office at this point in time. Yeah, so they did that. Yeah, that's, that's nice. Right? Was well, Spider-Man Two? Yeah, uh-huh. and this is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man with Doc Ock, and yeah, and arguably the best superhero movie to date in 2004. I mean, oh yeah, to date uh, at that point in 2004. In, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's probably not the best now in 2020. I mean, I go to bat for the for the first Superman. If that's what I'm comparing it against, sure. But yes, it's it, yes. So the first Superman is certainly really, really quite astounding. Uh huh. Um, and and, then, and, and, then... and Spider-Man one and two from the early 2000s really revamped the entire superhero genre. Yeah. So uh, good on you. Uh, other movies that were being played at this point in time were Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, yep. King Arthur, Fahrenheit 911, mm-hmm. and The Notebook. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, okay. So, there you go. What was happening about this time? Well, on July 1, 2004, Marlon Brando, the American actor from The Godfather, a streetcar named Desire, and on the waterfront, and of course, I want to uh, add um, the island of Dr. Moreau, mm. where he is just 
insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the character he plays. I'm talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. he's, like, he's like, I want to wear this bucket on my head. Why? I don't know, because I want to. Oh, it's because okay. I'm Marlon Brando. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Uh, on July 1, 2004, Marlon Brando dies at the age of 80. Yep, yep. Uh, on July 3, it was the official opening of Bangkok's subway system. Oh, hey, cool. Yeah. Uh, also on July 3rd was the Wimbledon women's tennis uh, finals between Maria uh, Sharapova, and she becomes the first Russian player to win the Wimbledon, beating defending champion Serena Williams 6-1, 6-4. Didn't Serena Williams, like, just retire I think yes. that's true. Like, You're like, 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 like last week. Yeah, like or two weeks two ago. Weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but she has had one amazing career. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, on July 4, the cornerstone of the Freedom Tower is laid on the site of the World Trade Center in New York City. Um, now, this is mostly a symbolic thing. It's They didn't actually start building anything until quite a bit later. But uh, Didn't? Wow. But wasn't it finished not that long ago? I, I don't remember when it was finished, but it, I, I mean, like, something is telling me that it was finished in the last, like, 10 years, which to me is not that long ago. But the point is, well, okay, but if they started building it in 2004 and they finished building it if, if, several years later. Well, that's entirely possible. I don't know weird. the answer to that question. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we could look it up, we could. but we, we're not going to. No, nah, I'm not going to. Uh, on July 5, the first Indonesian presidential election by the people uh, was held. The first round eventually was won. Uh, the first round was on July 5. Uh, and eventually, Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono. Yeah, good job. Uh, eventually won the election. So, good on him. Mm-hmm. July 16th. So this is a few days after the episode aired. Uh, Millennium Park considered the first and most ambitious architectural project in the early 21st century for Chicago opens to the public. Nice. And Richard, uh, Mayor Richard M. Daly does whatever the, you know, ribbon cutting ceremony things of that. Yeah. Uh, Millennium Park is a really beautiful place. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, Home of the Bean. Home of the Bean. It's not actually called the bean, but it looks like a bean. It looks like a bean. Everybody calls it the bean. Everybody calls it the bean. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you could probably Google the The bean bean. and you'd find it. Yeah. Um, Also, on July 16, Martha Stewart is sentenced to five months in prison plus five more months in home confinement for lying to federal investigators. Yeah. 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 There's a great little fun fact of that, you know, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg do a lot of stuff together. Like te- television stuff. Okay. And uh, uh, at some point, I'm sure folks have seen this. At some point, they're doing like a Never Have I Ever thing uh, in some some show or another. And uh, one of the questions was, Never have I ever been convicted of a crime? And Martha Stewart had to go, I have. And Snoop Dogg's like, Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I have some trivia for this episode. Yes. All right. We'll start with. Um, this is the first episode where Don S. Davis is no longer part of the main cast. I noticed. Um, Hammond, in, in the show, was promoted to lieutenant general. Um, and, or, yeah, and he was promoted. And he assumes the command of the newly formed Home World Security in Washington, D.C. <laughs> yes. Uh, for Don S. Davis himself, he left the show because of his declining health. Yeah. 
And this is 2004, and I think it was 2009 when he had a heart attack and died. Yep, yep. So, uh, but we will see Hammond again. He'll come back for a few guest spots along the way in both SG-1 and Atlantis. Nice. Good. So we don't say goodbye to uh, Hammond permanently or for Donis Davis. Uh, we'll see him again. This is the first episode that was presented in HD widescreen format. Huh. I don't know if I noticed the improvement of quality. I'm pretty sure that they didn't know what they were doing with it yet. <laughs> so they were like, I don't know. Whatever you do, don't put too many bad details in here. Keep, yeah. it, keep, it, keep it general. Keep it general. <laughs> So, anyway, there you go. Um, and from this time on, everything is done in HD. HD, yep, nice. Um, as the season premiere on Sci-Fi Channel, these episodes appeared as a single 90-minute episode. Michael Shanks plays four different characters in this episode. Yeah. He plays Jackson, Thor, right. Aegir, and Pentagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 those two sounded pretty similar. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean... Maybe the Thor Too and Aegir and Pentagall were all uh, from the same cloned body, in I, which case their vocal cords would work the same. You are 100% correct, but it was it was a little distracting. Oh, well, I am sorry. <laughs> not that much. Not that much, sorry. Uh, Richard Dean Anderson does not appear in the first part of this episode. I did notice that. Uh, and this was to make up for his appearance in Stargate Atlantis, the pilot. Oh, okay. So we'll we'll actually see him a little bit at the beginning of that one. Yep. Uh, O'Neill is promoted to Brigadier General in this episode and assumes command of the SGC. This is uh, because RDA requested a somewhat smaller role in the show so he could spend more time with his family yep. back home. Yep, gotcha. Um, and, uh, and so for that reason... Actually, most of what we saw... Like like when it was hologram O'Neill, yeah, um, they filmed him separate from everybody else, and he just had a, a body double in the spot there. Um, and they'll end up doing that an awful lot throughout the season. Oh, have a hologram of him? Well, no, have a <laughs> the, he'll he'll be there and he'll film all of his stuff. Yeah, um, and then everybody else will uh, probably not play directly off of him. Yeah, I'm gonna see a lot of a lot of. Remember that one episode or a couple episodes, I think, where, yeah, there were two different episodes where O'Neill was talking into the camera of the Malp, but the way that he was, like, leaning over it and talking made me think that they shot both of those episodes sequences, like, at the same time. They probably did. Because, like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. But, unfortunately, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the title in other languages in the French, they call this Misalliance. Oh, huh. Okay. The, the Italians call it a new order. Uh-huh. The Spanish, a new order. The Czech, the times are changing. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, the Hungarians say a new world order. Mm-hmm. And the Germans call this new power relations. New power relations. Yes. Nice. I am not going to try to read that word in German. New Machtverhandlungen. I thought you said you weren't even going to try. Uh, no, I'm going to try to help you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just move on. I was going to say, meanwhile, Jen's just like cringing. Just like, I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> 
All right, shall we get into the synopsis? Yes, All right. get into it. Here we go. Previously on Stargate SG-1. It's the replicators ah! with faces. Oh, no. Yes. There's a time dilation and a trap. Don't trust them, Fifth. It's a trap. Yeah, I remember that episode. General Hammond has been replaced as the commander of the SGC by Dr. Elizabeth Weir. Yeah, I remember that episode. Uh, (laughs) We have a modified Teltec, a new ancient weapon, and a cool battle over Antarctica. Anubis is destroyed and O'Neill is tossed into a stasis pod just before the ancient knowledge repository stuck in his brain almost kills him. And now. Yeah. Our favorite archaeologist is all packed and ready to go. And then Dr. Weir, hey, look at that. She dyed her hair yeah. since the last time we saw her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she enters and tells him that the international talks on how to parcel an ancient weapon have stalled and he's not going to the South Pole. He gets frustrated at the whole situation. His friend nearly died saving the planet. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Later, Dr. Weir and SG-1 are sitting around the conference table and she informs them that they aren't going to be using the gate until all this crazy international diplomacy stuff is figured out. That could take a while. That could take a long while. Sam, Teal, and Daniel want to use every resource at their disposal to save their friend. He, he almost died saving the planet. Again. Again. Perhaps... Hmm, perhaps they could use the modified Teltac to go to the galaxy of Othala to find the Asgard who got the ancient repository out of his brain the first time and surely they could do it again. But Dr. Rear rejects that idea. The ship is just too valuable and super duper advanced. Super advanced. No, super duper advanced. It's so advanced it's ancient. It is very ancient. <laughs> Later, Carter talks with Weir privately and asks her to reconsider her request, but she denies the request again. And then Carter suggests that maybe she won't actually help anyone figure out how the modifications to the Teltec work if she doesn't get her way. Now, she would, of course, never say that, but yeah, she said that. Uh-huh. Well, no. She said no, she wouldn't while nodding. Well, that's true. <laughs> Weir is sufficiently convinced, but only Carter and Teal can go on the foolhardy mission. Daniel must stay behind so that we have an actual reason to follow the storyline of the stuff that's going to happen at the SGC in just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carter and Teal are now flying through the galaxy in the modified Teltec on a mission to find the Asgard and save O'Neill. Huzzah! Yay! On the way, Carter tries to figure out how the engines were modified, but doesn't have much luck. She tries to engage Teal'c in conversation, and Teal'c's monosyllabic vocabulary ensures the small talk is small. He has more than one syllable. Indeed! I was just going to point out that the word monosyllabic is not is way more than one syllable. <laughs> like a fa- fancy word? <laughs> it is a fancy word. <laughs> it's okay for me. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> At the SGC, Daniel again talks with Weir, but about the talks between the nations when suddenly the gate is activated. Off-world activation! They receive a text message. I didn't realize they had MMS. Yeah. But. Apparently so. Apparently they do. With emoji. <laughs> with emoji. <laughs> what does it say, Daniel? You're young. <laughs> <laughs> Can you read emoji? What does this peach mean? (laughs) 
Oh. oh boy. Anyway, the text message they receive is from Camulus, a Gwawuld system lord, who wants to arrange a meeting between Earth and not just himself, but all the system lords. Yeah. The system lords want to sit at the table and negotiate with the lowly Earthlings. And Weir is authorized by the president to engage in these negotiations with Daniel as her chief advisor. See, I told you Daniel needed to stay behind at the SGC for storyline oh, reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned that. Right? You sure did. So now I'm calling Otherwise, you I wouldn't care. Well, that's that's on you. <laughs> Daniel fills Weir in on all the information they have on the system lords, including you. No. What? Don't start. All the jokes have been jokes. I felt so called out when I saw that scene. I got a little bit miffed. You know, they weren't calling out just you. They were calling out literally everybody else and themselves. And I will freely admit that normally I watch this, sh- this show with subtitles on so I don't miss anything. Right. So okay. if, the, if there's a little bit of blurry like dialogue, the subtitles help me like make sure I didn't miss a, a key detail or something like that. Later, and you'll probably get to it when we're talking about uh, when Celtic God of Thunder is in the uh, jail cell, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe not. Whatever. It doesn't matter. They kept talking about you and you, and I was getting confused as to which you they were talking about. Well, that's on you. No. It was you. Uh, that's what I said. It's on you. It's been you the whole time. Are you sure? I don't know if he is or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, friends. I'm so sorry. I couldn't help it. I just had to. <laughs> you see? They haven't all been joked. Ha ha. He's wrong. All the jokes have... Well, now they've all been joked. Now they've been joked. Okay, fine. Meanwhile, <laughs> Carter and Teal reach Hala, but find that Hala's son has become a black hole and that their engines have, in fact, burnt out. They knew the engines would probably die, but this whole black hole thing really, really increases the gravity of their desperate situation. No, I can't believe you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> Zach absolutely looked up and grinned. I totally did. <laughs> up top. Yes. Oh, that was a terrible, terrible. All right, carry on. You know, if it weren't for bad jokes, uh, I wouldn't have jokes. I'm just crushed by that. That's just the worst. You could say that that was a singularity bad joke. Do you have any more? I'm just warning. Nah, it's probably just going to end up like just curving around the whole point. Are you finally finished now? We'll see. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> so, apparently the situation is desperate, and it's it's quite heavy. It is very heavy. <laughs> they smash the buttons, they swap the crystals, and do the things they, to try to save themselves from being crushed into tiny specks to no avail. Yep. And when the back of the ship is ripped apart, yep. they are dramatically saved as a fortuitous Asgard transporter beam envelops our hero. Hooray! It's Thor! Hooray! He saved the day! Hooray! How much higher can you go? Hooray! <laughs> I think that's about it. <laughs> So, they spend time answering the questions, right? The time dilation film that had trapped the replicators before was only a temporary solution, and so the Asgard had to turn the sun hollow into a black hole by artificially increasing its gravity. Dang. Is that a thing? No, sure. Sure it is. You know, if you're sufficiently advanced, you know, any science can be magic. Magic, yeah. Uh, The black hole is destroying all the replicators while Thor sits back and ensures the job is done. Unfortunately, the job is not done because there are some replicator blocks that haven't quite been fully trapped into the event horizon. Yep. And wouldn't you know it, those pesky replicators break free at just the right moment for plot. Yes. uh, And begin escaping. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thor tries to stop them, but fails. And in the process, Thor's ship is infesticated by, you guessed it, replicators. Yeah, that's that. that, that. Now, Teal'c and Carter are there to the rescue. They gear up with all the gear that apparently Thor knew to beam up from the disintegrating Teltech while he was saving our heroes. Yeah. Good thing, too, because if not, they would have been really screwed. Yeah. They work to eliminate all the replicators they can find, but in the process, Carter is beamed away by the replicators. No, no! Oh, yes. I know that was your line, but I had to take it anyway. No, it's okay. I, <laughs> I, I actually was, was allowing... You know, oh! I, did you not notice that, that I led up a takeaway by the replicators? I mean, there, there was that There's moment in the pause. reflection. Yes. And you got... I, I gave it to you. Yes, and I hit it. You did. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> that We didn't hit that. <laughs> <laughs> I promise we're not drunk. No, no, not yet. Anyway, right. <clears throat> uh, the hyperspace chase begins as the replicators head to the new Asgard homeworld. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Mm -hmm. On Earth, the Gua will represent rep representatives, Camulus, Amaterasu, and you, as well as you's first prime, Ashu, arrive. They reveal that since the defeat of Anubis, the System Lord's balance of power has been destroyed. And to avoid open warfare, they have decided to divide all of his territories among them equally. But Ball wasn't playing ball. Wow. Wow. You, you've you been saving up these puns for a while, haven't you? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he found Tartarus first and took control of Anubis, Anubis's Cole Warriors. Yep, yep. Apparently, Ball doesn't like sharing. Mm -hmm. Are we shocked by this? No. 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 Anyway, Ball is going to force the other system lords to capitulate to him like they were going to capitulate to Anubis. <laughs> Apparently, I can't talk either. Uh, well, you're big words. Yeah, I know. <laughs> also, he's going to start attacking the planets protected by the Protected Planets Treaty. Y yes. I got through that. I'm you sure did. The Gould reps want help defeating Ball with the use of Earth's new ancient weapon. I, I like that new or ancient weapon. The new, weapon. yeah, yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> just saying. Uh, talks don't go well, and eventually the Ghoul will decide to just leave. Uh -huh. They're going to take their toys and go home. Yes. They don't like playing either. Right. Thor, back to Thor, is yeah. chasing the replicator ship. And he plans to blow up his own ship while in close proximity to the replicators, thereby ending the replicator threat once and for all. Unfortunately, Tilt didn't quite get all the replicators the first time, and yeah. their sabotage prevents Thor from ex executing his kamikaze plan. Yep. Now, their only hope is for the Asgard fleet protecting their homeworld to destroy the replicator ship immediately after it exits hyperspace. Meanwhile, on the replicator ship, Carter is confronted by Fifth, who is angry. Is angry a strong enough word for what Fifth is feeling? Yeah, he was, yeah, pretty... Uh, with, I mean, he is so angry with her because she betrayed him. Carter tries to apologize, but Fifth refuses to hear any of it. He then just jams his fingers into her brain to probe her mind and torture her. She tries to resist, but he is relentless and vicious. He wants her to feel the pain of betrayal that he felt when she abandoned him. Yeah. He wants to forgive her. Sure. He really does, but yeah. right now he's still just in the torture of the person who wronged me phase of grief. <laughs> Is that step zero? <laughs> Is that the zeroth phase of grief? <laughs> that might actually be a negative one. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that one. <laughs> well, you know, it's... It, 
The stages of grief for human form replicators are different oh, than for humans. I see, I see, I see. It's not a universal constant. No, I guess not. So he's in phase one. Sure. Torture. Torture. <laughs> then he gets to anger. <laughs> then he gets to disbelief. Then he gets to negotiation. Well, it's all later. I mean, I mean, later on, he's going to get you. Oh, I totally love you. Yeah, yeah, we will get there. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, back on Earth, Daniel looks at the message sent between the system lords and their representatives on Earth, and he realizes that they're going to betray Earth by sending a fleet to attack Earth and take the ancient device for themselves. He shuts down the gate before Camelus Amaterasu and you are able to leave. And Weir orders them to be arrested. Arrest them! And this is the end of part one. Yep. Part two. Yes. Michael Shanks. I mean Thor. Uh-huh. Talks to Michael Shanks. Uh, I mean Pentagon. Uh-huh. About the incoming replicator ship. <laughs> the Asgard are prepared to destroy the ship as soon as it exits hyperspace. They succeed at this, but unfortunately there are an active... There are active replicator blocks... Raining down on the Asgard planet, which is actually pretty impressive given that there's atmosphere and little tiny blocks, even if they're big blocks, tend to burn up into little tiny pieces. Yeah, but yeah, they're, repli- they're replicators. That's true. They exist for plot. It, it, it's a TV show. Everything it's a TV show. For yeah, plot. yeah, you're right. We'll get there. All right. Uh, the Asgard... Uh, wait, no. Where, where am I? The danger is far from over. That's where you are. <laughs> they need a new plan. Yes. Back in our solar system, the Prometheus, under the command of Colonel Lionel Pendergast, orbits Earth, preparing for a fight with the incoming system lord fleet. They, sh- they see a ship approaching. Unknown ship, identify yourself or prepare to be blown to bits. We're serious. <laughs> and then Tilt pops up on the view screen. Hey, guys. Guys, it's me. It would be unwise to blow us up. Also, not very fun. Yay! Tilk is here with the Asgard! Hooray! Hooray! At Stargate Command, Jackson informs the imprisoned system lords that their ploy has failed. Their fleet sent to attack Earth was, in fact, destroyed by Ball's forces. Because Ball doesn't like playing ball. Except for when he does. (laughs) That's what we call a callback. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That that is a callback. You're right. That's a real bummer for all of you, isn't it? Suddenly, Daniel Jackson is beamed aboard the Daniel Jackson. I know that. Thing. And then Michael Shanks, I mean Thor, greets Michael, I mean Daniel. <laughs> Afterwards, Thor beams O'Neill in his stasis pod up to the ship as well. And the plan is to ha- interface O'Neill with the Daniel Jackson so that O'Neill, along with the ancient knowledge that is killing him, can help develop a solution to the replicator problem. Catch all that? Yeah, yes. Elsewhere, Samantha wakes up in a bedroom in a house on a farm in the middle of the Montana countryside. Her hair is long. Yeah. And she's not quite sure what's going on. She is greeted by Pete Shanahan. Yeah. Who smiles and welcomes the sleepyhead to late morning consciousness. Sam isn't convinced this is real, but Pete tells her everything. She left the SGC a year ago due to mental stress. They moved out to the stinky farm with stinky animals to live a simpler and quieter life. He offers her some breakfast. She agrees. She still doesn't believe quite what's going on. She knows who is causing this, but she's not sure how. Now, at this, Pete gets angry, yelling at her that he left his life for her. And this is enough to convince her that this is definitely not the real Pete. Mm -hmm. Finally, Pete transforms into fifth. He's not angry anymore. Instead, he loves her and wants her to love him in return. 
and he wants them to live happily ever after, but Sam can't love him back. And then the toxicity returns. <laughs> love me or I will make your life miserable. Suffice to say, fifth is not stable. No, uh, no, no, not at all. No, 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 no. On Thor's ship, O'Neill's mind is connected with the computer. O'Neill makes a hologram of himself to communicate with the rest of the team. He knows the situation and begins working on a project that will help destroy the replicators. Unfortunately, O'Neill's body is close to death. Alarms begin to blare. O'Neill finishes his design just in time. Thor wipes the ancient knowledge from O'Neill's mind, saving his life. Hooray! O'Neill is revived and is ultimately none the worse for wear. Thor is able to use the plans O'Neill developed to create a prototype. Unfortunately, while they have the prototype, it's sitting there on the nice little pedestal, yep. no one knows precisely what it is or how it works. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. apparently, it will stop the replicators. Sure. That's what they say. That's what they say. Pentagall contacts them and informs them that the replicators seem to be controlled by a single human form replicator. And SG-1, hearing this, hopes that maybe that means Carter survived too. Uh-huh. Back at the SGC, Dr. Weir visits Yu's first prime, Ashu, who asks her to let them go to fight against Ball, since he commands the full force of Anubis' fleet, with which he would control the whole galaxy. Later, she then visits Camulus, who, surprising her, wants to request asylum, since his forces have all been destroyed already. Uh huh. Finally, the system lords are allowed to leave, but Amaterasu tells Weir to tell Camulus <laughs> that he will be forever branded a traitor and a coward. A shulva. Yes, that's traitor. Yes. But not coward. No, but I'm just saying, I know, I, whatever. Fine, no. traitor, traitor and coward. No, you didn't, you didn't. I know, I just wonder why they didn't say shulva. Because she was, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm going to blame Robert Cooper. Cooper! 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 Anyway, while Thor continues his research on the ancient device, he is contacted by Michael Shanks. I I mean, (laughs) Ajir. He is the commander of the Valhalla, who tells him that they found the remains of a human form replicator in space, which Thor then beams on board, and he uses the replicator to then hack into the communication network of the replicators. They succeed and discover where Carter is, which is great. Unfortunately, they also wake up this human form replicator. This guy throws Teal'c around a bit until O'Neill grabs the device he created, aims, and fires. The human form replicator disintegrates into a pile of dust. Yes. And with this information, Thor's like, ooh, I believe I can create a device that will work on a planetary scale. Huzzah! Huzzah! He gets to work on that while SG-1 goes to the planet to attempt to rescue Carter. O'Neill has fun shooting his replicator. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's right, I called it a replica. <laughs> I did it. <sighs> while Daniel and Teal do what they can with their measly human weapons. Yeah, that was silly little... <laughs> yeah. Fifth approaches and warns them to stop! If they don't, he'll kill Carter! And then he leaves. Uh, they don't want to harm Carter, but they need to stop the replicators from leaving the planet until Thor's device is fully charged. And so the replicator is once again put into use. They continue their approach and discover a giant replicator spider-like ship thing. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Carter talks with Fifth, who tells her what is happening. She tries to talk some sense into him. Not sure he's really listening. (laughs) Suddenly, the spider ship thing launches into the sky and immediately goes to hyperspace just before Thor's device is fully charged. Yeah. The device is activated, and all the replicators on the planet are destroyed. Hooray! Hooray! 
Once again, saving the Asgard people. Unfortunately, Fifth survived. Boo! Boo. But SG-1 receives some good news when they are told that another human is detected nearby. They find Sam! And Hooray! the team is back together again. That's, that's the best. That's awesome. Yes. Everybody's back together. Got the band back. Yes, right. I thought about putting that in there, but then I decided not to. I, that's okay. I, brought, I put it in there. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Back at the SGC, lots of things happen. Weir leaves the SGC to head the Antarctic Ancient Outpost. General Hammond isn't coming back because he's now in charge of homeworld security. But if O'Neill wants the job, they will promote him to Brigadier General, and he'll command the SGC himself. Uh-huh. He talks with his team and then agrees. His first act as general is to promote Carter to Lieutenant Colonel. Yay! Yay! On out in the darkness of space, we see the replicator spider ship thing. Fifth <laughs> is talking to someone, another human form replicator. They harvested just enough neutronium from Thor's planet to make her. It's okay. Those first moments of consciousness are... T- but Fifth is there to help her through it. She steps away from the wall into the room. The camera turns and we see the face of this new replicator. We are shocked as we look in as we look into the face of none other than Replicator. Ah! Oh no! Oh yes. <laughs> the end. The end. Woo! Okay, Brent. Yes. That was a long one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a double. Double. Yep. But we made through. Yep. What'd you think? Um. <clears throat> First, I thought it was delightful to get back into the swing of things watching Stargate again. We had a nice, lovely long break, and when I was pulling up the episode last night to be watching it, uh, felt felt good. It was like that was that was a nice break that we had there. So uh, so I was excited to get back into the show, and um, I'm glad that they did the little recap thing because while I remembered most of it, I didn't remember all of it. Uh, there were some parts of it that was like, oh, right, I guess, I guess, I guess O'Neill did kind of boost the Teltech on that, you know, the engines on the Teltech. You know, there yeah. were things about it. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I kind of forgot about that. Uh, so I'm glad they did that little thing. Got me back into the zone. Um, the episode, I don't know. This episode felt like it started a little, I started a little weak, all things considered. And I think I mean it by, like, the writing. Like, there was parts of the dialogue which didn't. Like, I remember that Carter said literally the same thing twice in about the span of two minutes. Um, like, like almost word for word, the same line. Oh, my. Uh, and there was, I think, Daniel, I think the same, like, something something that he said was kind of the same. So I don't know if it was, like, the dialogue or maybe the editing. Like, maybe version one of the script had them say these lines over here. Version two had them say basically the same lines over there. And then they ended up using both scenes in the final cut or something, (laughs) something like that. Um, But it was a little bit distracting. Uh, And uh, (laughs) Teal'c, what's up with the hair? (laughs) Was distracting at first. It was just like, oh yeah, he's got hair now. Like, well, they hung a lantern on it with with O'Neill's I know. comments at the very very end, but at the very beginning, I was yeah. just it was just it was just like okay, all right, and so as a result, like like it almost felt like um, the mannerisms of Teal'c. I don't know. It almost feels like like even even they took too long of a break in a manner. I don't know. It just it just felt a little rusty hmm. for some reason. I'm confident this is just me making an observation that has nothing to do with reality. I'm not implying that Christopher Judge forgot how to play Teal. I'm just I'm just acknowledging like just enough changed about it that I was like, oh, like 
It's a little, just a little different, and, mm-hmm. and therefore I, I was a little bit off. Well, he not only does he get hair, but he also loses his gold sheen. Oh, maybe that's part of it. Maybe I just got, maybe I just got used to looking at his golden sheen. I mean, hey, that's a, that. Yeah, that's that, that could be. Um, maybe that's a piece of it. Yeah, and you know, the lack of uh, General Hammond was felt. Even though we already had that as a part of the show from before. Well, I mean, yeah, we had that as a part of the show from before, but General Hammond was around, right? He right. was leading he was leading the charge in the Battle of Antarctica. Yep. Um, and, of course, he just wasn't here, and, of course, that makes sense. Uh, in that first part of the episode, no, um, uh, no Richard Dean Anderson, same thing. Like, it was just, it was fine, but there was a lot about it that just felt a little bit, just a little bit off, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I guess I do have to sort of tell the world I told you so, right? Okay. When, uh, when, when we, uh, when we left, uh, fifth behind Mm -hmm. all those, all that time ago. Yep. Um, and I was really throwing a fit about how, like, that's just an absolutely terrible thing to do. Like, it's just going to create nothing but trouble later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here we are. Yep. We found trouble. You know. Um, I do recall at that point in time when you were like, this is a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. This is going to bite at you. And I'm like, mm, mm, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, and now I can say yes. Yes. Now, one thing, though, that um, that I'm considering to be a bit of a weak part of the story is that um, we see Fifth having spent a lot of time feeling betrayed and feeling... Uh, taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Which I, I guess it's probably the same thing. Um, and, but we kind of see it as if a few years or several years have passed by, mm-hmm. as opposed to what would probably be more akin to thousands of years. Like, the replicators ought to have persisted that long, for sure. It, it, okay. Like, in that, in that time dilation thing. Or no, they slowed down. Wait a minute. They... So slowed down, but from their perception, they were still at the same time. Meaning, it would have only. So there are several people online who who mark this as kind of a a flaw that that right? that a whole lot of time should have passed. Yes. Yeah. So well, no. So like, like from the replicator's perspective, or like no time has passed. Like virtually no time has passed. Okay, right? then I got it wrong. Because because you know he was. You know, you can't see this because it's an audio podcast, but you know his finger was like three inches from the off button, right? Of of the the thing, it, but he was also going uh, from our perspective ridiculously slow. Yes. Um, now for him, he then it, it's presses just, the off button. Yeah. It's just it's that fast for him. Um, however, and I think I think that's a right criticism, and I'm going to play. Um, this is how I will retcon it. Yeah. So that it makes a little bit more sense. One of the things that's mentioned briefly uh, is as Thor is watching this group of replicator blocks not getting destroyed, um, he makes some sort of comment that they must have been able to use the time dilation to counteract the gravity's field. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, what yeah. exactly that is and what that means and what that looks like, we don't know. Sure. But. That that's that's hand wave, uh, but th- there's some hand wave there. Yeah. However, um, it would it would be plausible that um, because the replicators have done this once before, they took that time dilation and they spun it the other way. Yeah. So that 
they had thousands of years yes. when everybody else only had minutes. Yeah. It's plausible, or possible at least, that he was able to hit that button and rework it. Yeah. But, of course, they're still stuck in the gravity. Yeah. But he reworks the time so that he has enough time to escape. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it it's weak sauce. Yeah, it is I'll weak grant sauce. you that. It is weak sauce. But but that's the best I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, because otherwise... Uh, the other option is that replicator brains work differently than human brains, which some certainly they do. Yeah. Uh, and that he can experience in five minutes the amount of rage and roiling that, that would happen over an entire lifetime of somebody getting ticked off at somebody. Yeah. It Okay. That's actually helpful because... While it didn't stop me from enjoying the episode overall, it did feel like a sticky spot of like, wait, how does, you know, how, how, you know, at what point, how does the time thing work? Should they have been speeding up or slowing down? And I had forgotten that I got it. I got it reversed inside my head. Like um, the world around them should have advanced a a humongous amount of time in the amount of time that it took him to hit the button. Well, and, and Thor also says that they calculated based on what they had been given that, uh, um, that time dilation trap would have only kept him in there for a couple of years, and this is which is why they they created the black hole in the first place. Yeah, uh, so that they could more permanently eliminate the problem. Eliminate the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so clearly, the Asgard had calculated how long they had, roughly. Um, but uh, you know, they could have missed that a little bit. Who knows? But between. That aspect of the story, the convenient, like, the, the you know, we figure out a way to get a Teltac over to another galaxy. Granted, there was reason, you know, there was story reason as to how we were able to do that, but still, like, that mm-hmm. that seemed. I mean, we're bordering on almost far fetched. Like we're 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 we're, we're just flirting with the edge of far fetched. Like I was willing to buy that ancient. Uh, ancient O'Neill mm-hmm. could totally figure out how to hijack the engines and make them work and get to them in their right spot. But that aiming, I mean, Carter kind of says it, they acknowledge it in the, in the story, aiming at a spot in a galaxy that's a long way away yep. and arriving then conveniently for sake of plot right against the edge of a black hole, which conveniently for plot is being literally monitored by our good friend Thor, who then conveniently for plot beams them away at exactly the right moment, who then conveniently for plot notices that the replicators are getting away from the black hole at that moment. Right? Everything about it oh, was sure. just... Oh, sure. I mean, it's, it's very convenient. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the, the plan in general uh, is a sound plan because they know... They, they knew the location of Hala, right? Yeah. Um, they didn't know it was a black hole now, but they yeah, yeah. Knew, and they knew that that's where the time dilation yes. field was. And it is reasonable to assume that if the Asgard had set up this time dilation field to trap the replicators in, then they would continue to be, because of the problem the replicators, that yeah. they would continue to be monitoring. Yeah. So it makes good logical sense for them to say, well, if we can get there, yeah. the odds of us finding an Asgard there is really yeah, pretty Yeah, but they good. find four. Yeah, but let's be honest. Of all of the Asgard, uh, who do we always find? Yeah, but we found three more this episode. All voiced by Michael Shanks. 
Well, you know, we, and all we're and all the same Terrell Rothery, so we could yeah. bring her back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, yeah, but Terrell Rothery is still a person who's alive. Like <laughs> Janet Fraser can't talk. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, you still and you can have the same puppet, just wear a different necklace. Just have a different necklace on. Well, that I mean, hello, know. I'm, I am. Well, you know, how how do you tell Sigurd. the difference between one Asgard and another when they are all literally clones? You could tell in the eyes. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with the eyes. I call shenanigans. There's just very subtle, very subtle differences. Um, so there was just enough about the story, though, that was a little bit like too convenient. Mm-hmm. It was it was distracting, sure. right? And um, it still made a degree of sense, all things said, because you have to set up what this season is going to be about, and yet again. Here we are launching into a season where they didn't quite know they were going to have a season eight. So we got to kind of set the thing up. And um, they're also going to try to, you've said it before, springboard this other series that's a gutter mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, launching here. So, you know, they, they've got that on their mind there too. And, um, right, so, you know, what's the, what's the new order? Well, you know, the new order is that the uh, most powerful bad guy is destroyed, except apparently not. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have not seen Anubis look like that yet. Okay. He's looked like a shimmer, a shimmer ball all this time, like an oily spot. Well, this I, guy does not look oily or shimmery. Well, a little oily. He's got some pus. Got some jelly. <laughs> anyway, this this guy's apparently gone, but he's not gone. Um, and well, I mean, one of the questions that's a legitimate question: How do you kill the half ascended Guavuld? Uh, totally, no, no, no. Like, th- yes, there's going to be enjoyable story coming this way for sure, right? That he was defeated so quote easily unquote is it, it's not going to be hard for me to say, haha, he wasn't defeated. You know what I mean? Like, like. You're right. How do you kill a half-ascended thing? Um, but the point is, he's not around right now. And the Ghoulwold are fighting for the scraps. And Baal is is trying to present himself as, uh, the, the you know, in the supremacy spot. All this stuff is making sense. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, having this story constructed the way it was is fine. We apparently need to still have the replicators as a threat... And yet, also, we now have, like, a sonic weapon against them. So they're not that threatening anymore. I mean... Well, yeah. Thor's ship just needs to go around to different planets and hoover them all up. And, like, you know, no more replicators. You just have to catch them all. Just get, It's like Pokemon. Pokemon. Yes, that's right. You know, it's a miracle that his ship is not actually a red and white sphere with a button on the front of it. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, anyway, but my point is, like... like like, the whole, I don't know, B story? I don't know which one's the A story. The one that they're not talking about is the B story. Right. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, half the reason why I'm rambling a little bit is because I felt like the story was a little bit contrived. Hmm. Just a little bit contrived. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I didn't think that it was amazing. I still had a good time, but I'm wondering if my good time has more to do with, yay, Stargate is back. Yay, we get to talk about it again, yeah. etc. Rather than, my goodness, what a great story. Right? Hmm. Okay. We have some cool parts to it. And then, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, if they're trying to make Pete come across as 
like just a likable guy. Like, they are doing it wrong. They are sure finding <laughs> new ways to make it like having him just become like his like you know this this like like emotional like train wreck there. And it wasn't even and it wasn't Pete. him. Yeah, it was five. It, you know, Fiverr, fifth, yeah, fifth. Yeah, yeah. I, I was noticing that. Yeah, it whatever. Like you know, still you know this character's probably going to leave a bad taste in my mouth for I don't know how long. Um, At least three more seasons. Is it that long? <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm just assuming that, however, the story may or may not end. Yes. Whenever yeah. it ends, it's probably going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. Oh, that, yeah, there you go. The season yeah, the you're series. right. That's that's a fair that's a fair critique. Um, yeah, so I'm a little bit discombobulated about it, partly because I think that the story was a little bit disheveled. It still worked. I did like the diplomacy stuff. I did like the diplomacy stuff. I mm-hmm. liked the um, so watching Weir and Jackson. Uh, negotiate with system lords was kind of fun. Um, seeing two new system lords was fun. I couldn't quite tell if uh, if you was like crazy or crazy like a fox, right? Like that scene where he says something like, I'm tired of this discussion every day, every moment Anubis is growing more strong. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you mean ball, right? Like it was played so weirdly on the nose that as I'm looking at a glamour shot of apparently Lord Anubis, um, like, does you know something? Mm. And, uh, but spoilers notwithstanding, that scene was so pointed as to be like, hey, 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 pay attention to this. You is saying that Anubis is getting more powerful. Like, like, and, it, and it's written within the construct of, isn't that kooky? But it's so blatant that it's like, is it kooky? Or is that a piece of information I need to know now? Right, 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 right. That's right. a legitimate question? Yes, right. Okay. I can't answer it. Of course you can't. Um, I mean, I could. But then that would explain why this picture's in front of me. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so what did I think about this episode on the whole? On the whole, I did have a good time. I enjoyed watching it. There were definitely points where I was getting distracted, but I didn't think that it was necessarily drawing away from the story. It was just more like the story felt like it was in a couple of, it was kind of in shards and they, they didn't like disagree with each other. It's just, they didn't feel like they connected into something. I'm looking at a jigsaw puzzle right in front of me right now. And I feel like that's a decent metaphor. There are spots and there's some decent, like well-filled out spots. And there's definitely some aspects of pattern all through this, but they're not connected. Hmm. And, it's not bad. In fact, on this game, Matt, that looks kind of nice. It goes. But it's not cohesive. And it's... I didn't feel like it was a really compelling story. Especially for a starter. So I'm kind of like, meh. on the good part of meh. So, okay. There's there's generally my thoughts about, the, about this episode. What do you think? So, this feels like a soft reboot episode. Yeah. Um, it's called New Order. Because... As far as we know, at this point in time, Anubis is dead. Sounds like Ball is becoming the new bad guy. Um, Yu is losing his mind. Um, he kind of was the least bad of yeah. the bad guys uh, in terms of the Earth people. Yeah. The Tauri. Um, but now, what's it going to mean when he's going senile? Uh, so, you know, you got that new order... Thing. It's a new order because uh, Hammond is leaving and has left, and 
now Jack is going to take over. Yeah. Um, and Jack taking over means that SG-1 is different. Because yeah. SG-1 no longer has four members. It's got three members. Yeah. Um, that's weird. Um, it's a new order because you've got Teal'c with hair. What's with the hair? <laughs> well, it's as simple as Teal'c's like, I've feels? shaved my head for seven oh, yeah, years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm tired of it. Yeah. And this makeup. Quit it. And this makeup. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is, you know, and then you've got, um, within a soft reboot, you have to add some additional new threats. Uh, and so they bring back Fifth, uh, who is very unstable. Yeah. And we also have Replica Carter. We don't know yeah. anything about her. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's just another layer of, oh my goodness. Yeah, I forgot. So, I, yeah. So this is, this is an episode, you're right, the story... It's fine. It's there. It does its thing. It moves from A to B to C. It's yeah. kind of linear in a lot of ways. I mean, you've got two parallel linear stories, but they don't actually connect a whole lot until they gather together and, and such. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it. it's, we need to reset things uh, without, you know, just going to ground zero. Yeah. Know? And And it does that. I think it does that really quite well. It creates... Um, you know, like, hey, things are going to be different. Um, things are a little bit weird. Things don't feel quite right because they're different. Right. And different feels weird. It sure does. Um, different always feels weird until it stops feeling different. Right. And then it's not different anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that literally could just be it. We're just um, in a different spot. We're, you know, so... Um, with the same show. Like, yes. I don't know how I'm going to feel about Atlantis when Atlantis gets started, but Atlantis, by definition, is going to be a different show. Yes. Right. This is the same show. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the episode is... There's a lot of great moments in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it... You know, bringing... If we're going to bring the human form replicators back... Um, and, you know, we only saw him from the one episode. Yep. And so they were kind of the villain of the week. Yes. At that point in time. Yeah. And if we're going to bring him back, that makes sense, and that's fine, but we have already done the story. The replicators are destroying the Asgard, and we have to try to find a way to stop them. Yeah. And so we brought the replicators back, but then we also kind of leveled the playing field a little bit by saying now with this ancient technology, we have a means of fighting them. And so you can bring them back in a way that now you're dealing with them on a different playing field, on a different level. Yeah. Um, Which I think is necessary if you're going to bring back the replicators. Which I actually think for this show, when with all of this other stuff that's new... Right, it's a new order. All these things are changing. Um, this is a way to say that you know what, our bad guys are still our bad guys. Yeah. Um, you can ask yourself, and you know, you can ask the question: Was this a good choice or a bad choice, or should they have created a totally new enemy for this? Um, I think making a whole new enemy probably wouldn't have been a great fit. Um, well, you end up with. Um I think I'm about to say something controversial. You, it's like not like you've never done that before. I know. I'm so. I'm so. Uh, I'm such a such a calming force. Um, I think that in Deep Space Nine, 
the Dominion War was like the start of Star Trek starting to run out of ideas. They had to reach out into what quad was it the Delta Quadrant that they were coming? Like it was from way over way over yonder. Um, they were coming the from Gamma Quadrant. They're a long way away. They they were in a whole other spot, right? Like yeah. and, and, and within the within the construct of the Star Trek universe, reaching over to a different quadrant for a new enemy and having them come on over here, it's fine. But from a storytelling point of view, it's that problem that you run into when your good guys keep getting stronger and stronger or defeating like, you know, by definition your heroes have to win and by the and then it, but then if the if the story clamors for more, you got to find a batter he a batter bad guy for your heroes to square off against otherwise it feels feels trivial. Sure. Right, so you're constantly yeah. escalating things, constantly escalating things. Um, the controversial part is that, like, I think that that's when Star Trek started to run out of ideas because they had to go bring a new Borg or something. You know, they had to bring a new uh, bad guy that was even worse than the one from before. What? Holy cow! And then they went right off the rails with the temporal cold war. I hated that, but uh, that was before. Technically. Yes, technically. But what we are watching is what we call a television show. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not real. Oh, I just broke get it. Get out of town. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting to worry <laughs> that I'm seeing that with Stargate, right? So where you're right. We are wanting to establish that the bad guys are still bad, but they're badder. And... um. Instead of falling for the Star Trek problem of let's just reach out to a galaxy even further away and bring in a different bad guy that's even worse than the one that you had before, right? Mm Because you got to keep escalating the stakes. Let's take a previous bad guy and make them even worse. Wait, we've done that with Apophis. Apophis (laughs) 2.0. Apophis 3.0. Yes. (laughs) Return of Apophis. Even cratered Apophis was like, is he really dead? Yeah, he's really dead. And then, like, yeah, because because um, because I was saying a while ago, Scla- who is no Scara? No, I don't know. No bad guy, Apo- bad um, Sokar. Sokar, thank you. That Sokar, I think, was setting up to be a pretty legit, like, pretty good bad, you know, baddie, like definitely. And then he got killed too fast by Apophis of all people. Uh, which was an attempt to make Apophis look even scarier. Which, sure, sure. Uh, I don't think it worked very well. Yeah. But anyway, that's kind of my point. Is that, you know, I, 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 part of me is starting to worry about that. Part of, this is also part of the reason why I like television shows that, from the start, know that they're going to have a four-season run or something. Like, like mm-hmm. or that they are based in an existing story that already has an end. Right? There's, sure. Like, you're not stuck on the treadmill of constantly trying to make the whole situation feel even more at peril until you just kind of run out of the run out of run out of story mm-hmm. or no better said run out of viewership so that it just peters out right i hate mm-hmm. petering out um but i mean here we are we're on the treadmill and the replicators are back and they're worse but guess what the asgard are better too and they've got they've got They've got ancient glass-breaking technology now, and they can render replicators into dust, which is cool. Um, and and the uh, the and the 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 Gould are in shambles, except for one who's trying to become the new Apophis, uh, Anubis, Anubis, etc. etc. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of ranting. I don't know. I'm worried. 
Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the right way to say it, Zach. Well, okay. I'm um, worried. Let me, let me try to address your worry without entering into too many realms of spoilers. Okay. Um, one of the things... So, like, it's been a while since I've seen season eight. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going on what I remember sure. from before. Season eight feels to me like a season that um so like they they've created the pool right okay and they have defined the parameters of the pool okay and the pool is beautiful pool it's got lots of cool things in there lots of options uh, you know some parts are deep some parts are shallow and all that stuff Uh (laughs) and and now they're going to go swimming in the pool yes (laughs) <laughs> and they they swim in that part of the pool and like oh hey that's kind of more dangerous this other part of the swim and then you know so there's there's this this kind of like uh, it's not an element of treading water but it's also not um, racing down a torrential river <laughs> this is actually a pretty okay Stargate is like a puzzle and a pool yes yes that's what we have learned today yes. <laughs> It's the pool puzzle. It's the pool. So you're saying it's a waterproof puzzle. It's a waterproof puzzle. So you're saying they are playing in the bounds, and all we're doing right now is that we're kind of swimming from one spot to another, and the the joy is that they aren't necessarily telling exactly the same story all over again. Yeah, it's a different story. I think also part of what's going on is um, while there are some people who are focused on Atlantis and some people that are focused on SG-1. Mm-hmm. But the franchise is there. And you've got now these two stories. And they're like, okay, well, Atlantis is over here. you got all these new possibilities. That's that's cool. And you're looking at SG-1, and you're like, SG-1, that's that's our baby. That's our... But then yeah. things are all different. Yeah. Right? And, and so this is the season about trying to figure... What does a show look like when O'Neill isn't your go-to guy? Yeah. And they're trying to figure that out. I mean, and, still... and, and they don't get the luxury of testing the waters. You just jump in there and you have to start swimming. He's still listed before the title. Well, that's because he's an executive producer. That's what you get when you're an executive producer. It's right. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, it kind of brings up a good point. It was nice to have O'Neill on screen... First as a hologram. That was mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Enjoyable. Yep. Next, popping out of the stasis pod. Yep. Teal quotes with the hair. Yeah. That was great. What's with the hair? I loved it. Yeah. Right? I loved watching Richard Dean Anderson act in his role. Yeah. That worked out great. I liked watching him kind of struggle with the uh, option of becoming the general on the base. Yeah. He gets to have a desk. I never had a desk before. No. For the record, you did. <laughs> Right, like I, I, this is this is good stuff. I like that. And then maybe I'm also worried about that. Where if if he's not a central part of what's the what stories I'm watching, uh, like I, I I think that it might be this worry might be actually encapsulated by something that I was getting kind of annoyed with as the episode was progressing, which was how Daniel Jackson was behaving. It was in the first half of the first episode. He just seemed really like distant and annoyed and I don't know it, something about it just didn't 
gel or click very mm. well. And so as a result, it felt like Michael Shanks was taking the Daniel Jackson character and kind of putting it on 11 and leaving it there. And instead of the Daniel Jackson experience, <laughs> TM, that um, I have gotten used to where sometimes he comes on strong and then other times he backs off and he plays off of, off of well, you know, right. um, O'Neill very well. And usually that was sort of the dynamic. So that when it was Jackson and Weir kind of talking about it and Jackson's being like 100% Jackson and Weir's like, well, let's keep like thinking about it or whatever like that. It did, like the dynamic felt wrong. Sure. So what's it going to be like if it's Jackson and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Carter and non face haired Teal'c? Uh, like, is it is it still going to work? My goodness, I'm not even real. Yes, I'm glad we're talking this through. It feels like a therapy session. Oh. Yes, I am realizing why I didn't like this episode as much as I thought I was going to like this episode. And am partly, I the therapist? I'm no. just curious because I'm wondering if I got a paycheck. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not going to happen. Dang it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm worried. I think I'm worried. I think this episode made me start to worry. Well, that's fair. And, and I hear what you're saying. You are saying... My worries don't necessarily have to be made manifest. We're going to swim in the pool. The pool is still the pool. We're still going to go for some swimming. No, there is no destination, but the water is the same and the depths are still the same. And while there's going to be different beach balls, there's going to be a different beach ball of the week. And maybe they're going to put in a water feature. It's still going to be a pool where we're going to swim around and have a good time. And then every other week, we're going to go into that pool over there. A different pool. It is a different pool. Yeah. Uh, they understood. Yes. They saw me point. They did. Yeah. And if you didn't, look again. There. See. Just rewind. Yep. And watch. There you go. I just pointed. Yeah. Well, then. Well, not now. Yeah, now, uh, now, now. Now he is. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you need to discuss? I don't think so. I do feel like I'm missing things, though. Maybe that's also another thing that's on my mind is like, am I, am I missing anything? And I don't think I am. I think I think I've so, got to talk it through. I, I, I think what you're missing right now is a lack of knowledge of what's going to happen for the, the rest of this season. Which is, of course, understandable. Right. You know, and because you've never seen it before. That's right. That's how time works. That's that's exactly right. Um. Uh, it would be interesting to see uh, your reaction to this episode after you've seen the whole season. Yeah. Um, you know, just because... When we, when we do the season eight recap, we probably should say... we were Brent was worried after the first, couple, uh, first episode. Was he still worried? Yeah, was it justified? Yeah. 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 I like that. So, um, note, dear listeners, I guarantee you... That both of us will forget that that's what we're supposed oh, to do. Oh yeah! Oh no! For the season recap. Yeah, are you kidding me? So, nah. so if you want that to happen, <laughs> you better remember. You better remind us. <laughs> and closer to then, and not now. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You send us a text right now and yeah, say it's not, you know, we, we're it's gonna, not going to work. No. Nope. All right. So then, how many chevrons will New Order? Season eight, episode one and two. Yeah, get from Brent. So um, I, I'm serious. I did enjoy watching it. Yeah, there might have been a little bit of excitement just because of it and the 
and the watching of it and less about the actual show itself, the episode itself, I should say. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch these characters back in their roles. There was parts about it that were a little bit like grindy, but it worked out fine. Uh, or, you know, at least well enough, I should say. Yes, I am worried. I've articulated what, what I'm worrying about, but I still enjoyed watching it. I, I still want to see what happens next. Um, so for me, this is going to be a five out of seven. Um, not the most enthusiastic score, but, uh, <laughs> but Zach absolutely typed in what he thought my prediction was going to be before I predicted it. Now he just turned the iPad around and sure enough, what's written there? A five. Yeah, this is a five out of seven. It's not bad at all, but it's definitely in the meh phase, but it's on the good side of meh. But I'm worried, so I'm not sitting here exuberant. I don't think the story was actually that cohesive necessarily. It was fine. It wasn't like it was terrible, but it didn't really feel like it served itself well. It did an awful lot of setting up a lot of things. We'll see how that pans out. Yep. Five out of seven for me. So what about you, Zach? Same. Oh. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a five out of seven. It's, it's a good episode. It's not a great episode, in my opinion. Um, it does a good job of setting things up, a kind of reset, a creating that new order. Yeah. Um, there are now new things that we have to deal with, um, and our same heroes in a different configuration and in different roles have to deal with these slightly different things that are very similar to old things, yeah. but they're different. Yeah. It's good. It's it's not blow you out of the water. No. Um, it's a solid... Uh, to me, it's a really solid uh, soft reboot episode. Yep. Yep. So I give it a five. Nice. All right. We have predictions. Yeah. I should probably pull up the Twitter. Oh, yeah. The Twitter machine. Not Texas Roadhouse. Twitter. Twitter? Yeah. Now I got to sign in again. What? Oh, man. Oh, I, haven't, wait, wait. I haven't done this oh. in forever. Oh, man. So, like, they changed the way Facebook works? Of course they did. It's Facebook. And so, does this get me to where I want to go? I don't know. This is great audio, by the way. I'll cut this out. Oh, okay. Unless I, I think... Unless I don't. Unless you don't. Okay, I think I'm ready. I'm ready, too. All we right. got ready at the same time. Sweet! All right, here we go. We got Kevin. Hi, hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. He says, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. How you been? How y'all been? Boy, it sure has been a long, long long time since season seven and i'm so excited to be starting season eight season one with you both excellent he didn't say the excellent part i did and thanks again for everything you do oh that's awesome awesome this podcast has been a blessing i have lots to say about oh he ran out of characters oh he must have he must continue on the facebooks um <laughs> yes he does thank you kevin all right so um on on the Facebooks. Yes. We start off, I assume that was the only one. Yeah, that was the only one. Okay. Uh, we start off with a GIF slash GIF. Do you say GIF or GIF? HIF. HIF? Yeah. HIF. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I like HIF. <laughs> it, it, it makes more sense. Uh, a HIF by uh, David uh, that says, It's happening! With the hand, with the, with with the the hand waving. Yes, yeah, it's happening! Okay. All right, enough of that. Uh, Chris says... I'm just excited. I love the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Chris. I really love Atlantis, oh, and hi, I hope that Brent does, too. All right. Cool. There you go. Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen says, with Brent and Zach, will Brent and Zach remember SG-1? 
<laughs> season seven finale, Lost City, has come and gone, and the hiatus was almost as long as Jack staying frozen in the ancient outpost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Since Lost City, a lot has changed, especially hairdos. Dr. Elizabeth Weir is a brunette now, yep. though nothing else seemed to have changed about her. Uh, Teal'c is sporting actual hair, and it's on top of his head. Not that little... Yeah, yeah, not the, not, the, not the worm, the caterpillar. A little caterpillar on that chin, right. <laughs> uh, and as a side note, does anyone else think that everyone just looks much more polished in Season 8? Sam wears more makeup, t-shirts were swapped for form-fitting tanks uh, oh, for yeah. gents and the ladies. Yeah, yeah. The lighting of the actors has leveled up another notch. This is all probably the HD stuff. With Season 8, SG-1 has changed, although it seems to stay the same until you look closer. At least you is still you. You you will always be you. Yes. Until he's not. Until you're not. Not me. You. Yeah, you. <laughs> the jokes I aren't I love how the team dynamics minus Jack play out to the fullest in New Order Part 1. You can really see how they tried to focus even more on Sam, Daniel, and Teal'c to make up for RDA's even further reduced schedule. Yeah, yeah. Story-wise, I don't want to spoil too much. The powerful return of the Replicators will impact future episodes. Good, hopefully, yeah. I like the character of Fifth as a concept. He learned betrayal from Sam due to Jack's command, and I adore the fact that the actions from Season 6 haunt our heroes after one and a half seasons of nothing. Sam's and Fifth's interactions in the this episode are brilliant, especially as Sam breaks down during the torture and also the birth of Replicarder. Yeah. In terms of television, the cuts and color grading comparing Fifth's ship versus Cheyenne Mountain also stepped up their game. Yeah. I enjoyed the story unfolding a lot, and this was fueled by simply a good edit. Prediction-wise, Zack will easily reconnect from Lost City, and as he's watched the whole SG-1 many, many times, Brent doesn't have the advantage of that and might need more of a recap. I have to wild guess on this one because there's a certain element of chaos with all the changes of Season 8. Uh-huh. I'll say 6.5 from Zack uh-huh, uh-huh. and a 5 from Brent. Hey, got mine. I gave it less than 6.5. For me, it's a seven. Awesome. Oh, Great. nice. Wow. I just love this two-parter, and I can't even say why. It's action-packed, but yet dense enough to fill two episodes. Lots of different threads start to play out. Um, Very nice. Now, yes. we haven't even re- we didn't even really talk a whole lot about Fifth and his psyche and how that That's plays true. in with Carter. And how Carter played into that, I was just dist- I was distracted. I was distracted by the hair extensions. That's how distracted I was. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was looking for the right joke in my synopsis uh-huh. about the hair extensions, and I couldn't find yeah. the right one. No, and so I was just like, well, her hair is long. Yes, but it's like this weird mullet thing. Yes, 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 and that's unfortunate because there was an interesting story there that I, we didn't even talk about. No, and like. It felt grating. I didn't really, like, there was an aspect about that story that I didn't like, but that was the point. I was yes. supposed to not like that. Right. Yeah. 
and and actually that was done really well. Oh yes. Um, that that uh, it was supposed and, to be uncomfortable. And uh, guest actor. Wow, your synopsis was long. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Sorry, uh, Curry, uh, Patrick Curry. Thank you. Patrick Curry. You, you could have just asked. I, 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 yes, I guess I could have. His his acting was fantastic. Yes, like it was it was top notch, absolutely top notch. Absolutely. Okay, we have Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. And we're back. And we're back. Hmm. Doctor Weir looks different. Has she changed her hair? O'Neill is still frozen in carbonite, and the <laughs> Asgard aren't picking up. Carter and Teal decide to swing by and check on them. Turns out the Asgard are fine. Their system is just being swallowed up by a black hole. Mm -hmm. That'll show the replicators. <laughs> or not. Uh, they kidnap Carter, but their creepy Lego ship gets blown up. Oh no, Carter's definitely dead. And the new Asgard homeworld is probably toast as well. Meanwhile, back at the SGC, Earth is invited to host a Gua'uld party. Sounds great. We'll bring the sandwiches. Ball is causing trouble again, and the Gua'uld want Earth to take care of it free of charge. Sure, no problem. No way these charming folks will double-cross them. Nah. Fortunately, Thor and Tilk show up in the nick of time and beam up Jackson and Fro-Neal. Fro-Neal. <laughs> time for a big happy reunion. Too bad Carter is dead. Or is she? Nope, nope, nope. Carter wakes up in a fantasy world that seems a little too perfect. Apart from one thing, Officer Farmer <laughs> Pete is there. I kid, we love him, don't we, folks? Uh -huh. So fun to watch Fifth use him to gaslight Carter. I know. But he's only doing it because he loves oh, her. Oh, boy, does he love her so which much. Which is an emotion he definitely understands. <laughs> Hey, kids. Hey, kids. Pro tip. Don't do what he did. Hey, kids. If you, especially, boys especially. Yeah. Boys, if you like a girl, don't hit them. Don't hit them. And don't gaslight them. And don't be all like, I gave up everything for you. Poor choices. Those are poor choices. And that all fits in very, very well with Fifth. Yes. Unfortunately... Fifth was wearing a Pete Shanahan face at the time, <laughs> which does not help nope. Pete Shanahan. No, it sure doesn't. <laughs> Pervy Pete, the gaslighting wonder. <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we were skeptical about Pete before, uh, and this is not a great way to introduce so, him again. And so, right. And again... Because everyone keeps alluding to the notion that Pete probably is going to be sticking around here for a while, I'm going to keep trying to, speaking of soft reboots, soft reboot this character every time I see his face <laughs> until it finally works out okay. All right? Okay. All right. Um, let me see here. Using the knowledge of the ancients, O'Neill makes a replicator, replicator disruptor. Personally, replicator sounds way cooler. Yeah, replicator. I like it. Uh, time to go disrupt some replicators and save the new Asgard homeworld, and maybe Carter too, while they're at it. Is there anything worse than that electronic insect sound the replicators make? Yeah, I don't find it that annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of things that are worse than that. Well, but. But Rowan probably. To each uh, their own. To, yeah, that's right. If you, that, yeah. Go team. Yeah. 
I'm all right. Hooray! Carter and the Asgard are saved. Hooray! And Ball isn't coming after all. So how are there still nine minutes left of this episode? Because Doctor Weir is leaving, and O'Neill is getting a promotion. Enjoy sitting behind that desk, General Jack. And congratulations, Colonel Carter. So long, Doctor Weir. It's been nice knowing you. Uh, however, briefly, have fun in Antarctica or whatever, wherever. Oh, oh wait. Oh no. Is it? It. It's Ripley Carter! Oh, no! Oh, and Jackson has a random human skull on his desk? Not cool, Dr. J. Not cool. I totally missed that. I sure did, too. Uh, Oh, well. All right. A lot happens in this double episode, but it all works together to make a pretty coherent story and set things up for season eight. I think Brent will give it a six. Hmm, Close. And Zach will give it a five and a half. Also very close. Very close. These episodes have IMDb ratings of 8.5 and 8.7, respectively, which is a six chevrons for both, putting him in the top 10% of Stargate episodes overall. Nice. Okay. Um, I don't have my reading glasses, and this is a problem. So, you get to read Kevin's. Okay. All right. So, we got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Whoa. Got cut off on Twitter. Weird. Must be the work of Brent's arch-rival, Musk. Yeah, I know. Can't stand that guy. How dastardly. Anyway. Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. So glad to be back. Season 8 is probably my favorite season, and it's when I started watching live. I still remember the first time I watched this episode. The ghoul are coming to talk with us. O'Neill is still frozen. Dr. Weir is in charge now, and Sam and Teal'c are off to try and find the Asgard. Sure is an... Oh, wait. Sure is an action-packed episode... But of course, with such an action-packed two-parter, I had lots of thoughts while watching. Number one of 15. Number one. Hey, Teal, he has hair now. That's new. Number two. I imagine what trying to blackmail your new boss is usually... I imagine that trying to blackmail your new boss is usually a bad idea. I also thought the same thing. Number three. I don't blame Carter for leaving the room after Teal mentions Pete. I tend to have the same reaction when people mention him. <laughs> Number four. Thor! Number five. The replicators start escaping as soon as SG-1 arrives. That's convenient. Number six. When Carter gets beamed onto the replicator ship, she's suddenly missing her vest and gun. I never knew that beam technology could target clothing. I bet that would make a game of strip poker very interesting. Probably well. so. <laughs> Number seven. Who doesn't just chill in a wall sometimes waiting for your crush to walk by? <laughs> Number eight. When Carter is being thrown all the horrible images and being tortured by Fifth, it reminded me of the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka and the Charlotte Fa- Chocolate Factory. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's, uh, yep. yeah, I can see that. Number nine. A coded Gould message? What's that mean? Gould encryption? No, it just means Gould emoji. We already said that. Number ten. It sure is nice of the Asgard to speak English while Teal'c is aboard Thor's ship. Sure is nice for the Asgard to speak English while Teal'c is aboard Thor's ship. Yes, yes. <laughs> Number 11. It was bad enough that they had to mention Creepy Pete in the first episode, but now in the second one we have to see him? Ugh. Number 12. Oh, RDA, I've missed you. Number 13. I've always loved the back and forth bits between O'Neill and Daniel. Me too. Number 14. Did O'Neill really need Thor to zoom on the on the wait, to zoom in to recognize Carter? Maybe all that ancient damage, maybe all that ancient damaged his eyesight. Number 15. 
<laughs> How does parking work at Cheyenne Mountain? Do they park outside and then walk into the mountain? But we see cars drive in on the stock footage shots, but if they drive inside, that means that there's driving into an enclosed space with only one entrance. All that pollution can't be good for your health. <laughs> I'm a big season eight fan, but I have a feeling or at least hope that Brent will like Atlantis at least half as much as I do. It's so great, but we'll save that for next week. All in all, I predict sixes from Zach and Brent. Very close. Very close. Can't wait until season five of Atlantis, which even Zach hasn't seen yet. That is a true statement. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Kevin. All right. And now we have Sean. Hi, Sean. Not the best translation mode I've seen to date. Huh? I don't know. Not the best translation mode. I don't know. I do prefer this, Dr. We're talking translation as in orbital dynamics? Or translation as in, like, speech? Speech. I... Sean, you're going to have to explain yourself. Do it! Do it right now! <laughs> Sean continues. Yes. I do prefer this, Dr. Weir. It seems they've rewritten... Re Translation. Tra Dr. Weir did a translation. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. Uh, it seems they've rewritten her personality a bit and is, a is less scatty and less timid. Yeah, okay. Uh, the first incoming wormhole, they announced unauthorized off-world activation instead of unscheduled. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed this episode, albeit a bit slow. Uh, was good having different stories going on, too. Five got the arrogance of Pete Shanahan perfect. Oh, yeah, fifth. Yeah, Fifth did, yep. Five chevrons all around. Hey, he got it. You got it. That's the stupidest thing. It's so funny. Yep, can't can't not do it. I, it it's a thing now. It's a thing now. Chevron, five chevrons all around as the lost city has seemingly been forgotten about. Or has it? Oh. Tune in next week for redacted eight chevron episode. Redacted, redacted. Oh. Redacted. Possibly. Um... We'll see. We shall see. All right. Those are the Facebooks. Uh -huh. Now we have some emails. Oh, yes. Email. We'll start with Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm at work at the moment, early Saturday morning, getting some much-needed overtime. I have to make this brief so my boss doesn't see me or else nothing will happen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Deep breath. Wee! Welcome back, Dr. Weir. But I think she did something with her hair from last season. Yeah. Jack is easily amused. Tilk has hair. Yeah. Pete's fine. Uh. I've got a new ray gun. Yes. How they didn't fire on the swarm of replicators on the Asgard planet. I forget the name. I'll never know. Okay. Jack is officially the man. Yeah. Carter gets deservingly promoted. Yeah. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I thought about the same thing, too. I'm calling a five from Zach and a five from Brent. Hey! Oh, yeah. I remember too. what I forgot. Make that a six <gasps> from Brent. Oh! Because Replicator at the end of the part D. Yeah. Uh, oh. Dan, you were so close. I was almost going to get you a boop, boop, a doop. Yeah. Oh, but but they had to give so me. A, they had to get that plus one. Yeah. No, Replicator. That was. I mean, I definitely saw it coming as soon as they were like we were back on the ship and there was a person stepping out of the walls. Oh, like, yeah, oh sure, yeah. Sure, he, sure. he totally. He totally cloned Carter. Yeah. 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 We but what does it mean though? But what does it mean? It means. No, no, no. I'm just saying. That's a rhetorical. Oh well. What I'm going to say oh. is that it means that Fifth has to live with Replicator and Car Replicator has to live with Fifth. Well, yes. But does that also mean that actual Carter is going to turn into Replicator one day? 
in a, in a, in a story? So that's an option. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It, it could also be that... Um, Do I get to see Amanda Tapping act like Samantha Carter almost, but not exactly right? Nah! <laughs> that's going to be great. <laughs> so Lydia Ann is next. Okay. Hi, Lydia Ann. Earth has leveled up, and the system lords are taking an interest. Yeah, sure has. In the meantime, the replicators have also leveled up, despite the Asgard's best efforts. Yeah, yep. Elizabeth learns to bluff. Uh-huh. Daniel snarks in Jack's absence. Mm-hmm. Tilk has excellent aim with firearms. Yes. And Jack has an out-of-body experience that <laughs> saves Asgard society. Yeah. <laughs> Sam? Oh, she's kidnapped and tortured by a new stalker. Oh, yeah. Who also gaslights her by impersonating her previous stalker. You know what? Maybe that was another piece of why this story just felt a little off. Because here's another... Yeah, Lydia Ann just hits it right on the head. Yeah. What's Sam's story? She gets kidnapped and tortured and by another stalker alien dude. <laughs> Sam, so, come so on. What, what really... One of the things that really frustrated me with SG-1 and Sam's character is that um, they cannot get a relationship for her that is right. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, does she need a relationship? No. No. It's not necessary. No. Um, and you could go 10 years without having a relationship, right? Jack does that. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Um, but, but if you're... If you're gonna do it, do it right. Yeah. Don't. I mean, you know, just yeah. like, I mean, you know, she got known as the Black Widow, right? You know, because all of her partners or potential partners died, and now they tried to do it right with Pete, and they still screwed that up. Have they screwed it up permanently? I don't know if you can tell me that. I can't tell you. Okay, that. fine. Uh, continuing, because Fifth and Sam's interaction. Interactions in New Order are coded as domestic or gender-based violence. It's hard to continue the ethical debate started in Unnatural Selection. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fifth wants a relationship with Sam and acts in a way that is that is never justifiable. Right. You don't blame the victim for the behavior of the abuser. Right. I think it's a messy way to reintroduce the replicators and detracts from what is otherwise a stellar season opener. Mm-hmm. But I suspect I'm in the minority given the high ratings this episode has. Uh Replicators usually mean long conversations and strong feelings. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. But I think everyone, including me, is a bit rusty. So Shot in the Dark says Brent gives it five. Yes. That gives it a six. Oh, so close. So close. Yeah. And Lydia Ann, thanks for bringing that up because, yes, while I think I was willing to kind of gloss. Well, no, I mean, I was kind of talking about it. After we did all of our stuff, including the Chevrons, sure, like yeah. we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because I'm just kind of getting fatigued with kind of yet another moment where Carter is like, where Amanda Tapping is being asked to just like cry her eyes out while being abused by somebody who is doing this in the name of like like attraction or something. It's just it's just it's it's an indication of where we are where we were 20 years ago yeah. and frankly where we still are in a lot of ways uh, in in that women on screen get to play the gaslighted victim yeah uh, even even when we all say well 
you know she's being gaslighted and it's not a good thing, but it's still happening in the story and she has to deal with it. Right. Um Yeah, when you're when you're when you're telling a story and you the listener are picking which characters you feel like you are attached most to, if you feel like you are attached most with Carter, then you start to view the story from Carter's lens. And if you're constantly engaging with the story as you're identifying with with it in that mode, then tacitly it is saying you should expect to have this happen to you. Right. And that's the part that's not cool. Like it, yeah. it also kind of doesn't matter that this is a thing that happens. Like for crying out loud, give my hero a break and let's have something cool happen as opposed to yet another like, instead of being instead of having hair extensions and working on a farm. Like <laughs> let Colonel Carter be awesome. Yeah. That should be a t-shirt. All right, dear folks, we need a t-shirt. All right, uh, we have David. Oh, hey, David. David has a bias buffer for Chevron encoding. A bias buffer for Chevron encoding? Okay. Yeah, it's not a Chevron code encoding bias buffer. It is a bias buffer for Chevron encoding. It's backwards. Is that a code? I don't know. Okay. This is a nice kickoff for a new season. Cliffhanger resolved. Enemies are regrouping. Previously vanquished foes are unexpectedly back. Change of commanded SGC. Well-deserved promotions. And Christopher Judge finally gets his wish and gets to stop shaving his head. Yeah. Things have changed and yet not changed. And we get a nice soft reset without hey. feeling like it's a complete reset to zero. Yeah. The only drawback is the realization that General O'Neill might no longer be on going on missions. That's the new order of things, isn't it? Mm. Six chevrons from Zach for reasons I cannot think of right now. Uh (laughs) And for Brent, five chevrons because he's disappointed the replicators are back but still enjoyed it. (laughs) And maybe they will be more of a threat this time. Spoilers, yes, yes they will. Okay, all right, okay. Nice. All right. Those are our predictions. Ah, Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much. That was cool. That was was awesome. All right, I got it on my phone. Oh, great. Um... This will make your editing interesting because... I'll, oh, yeah, it will. It'll be fine. It'll, actually, it'll actually it might pick up just fine. Yeah, just put it next to the mic. Yeah. So, um, the next episode is Atlantis Season 1, Episode 1. Yeah. The episode is called Rising. Okay. Um, I might give you... I'll, I'll give you a pass if you want it. Well, what's the pass you're willing to give? Do you want to predict what this episode is about? Oh, I have to. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. Here it comes. What is Atlantis all about? Well, Atlantis Rising. This episode, Rising. Yes. Yes, what's it about? Yeah. First time on Stargate Atlantis (laughs) Rising. Wait, no. Stargate Atlantis. We're introduced to the team, and they are on a not strange and not new world at all. They're on Earth, because that's where we're going to have to start, because... If we don't, then what's my anchor on this one? I don't know. We'll find out. The team is a bunch of unknowns, but they're not unknown because we're absolutely going to have some people from Stargate SG-1 on there because that's how crossovers work. Do you remember Deep Space Nine? I do. Do you remember when Picard was there? So do I. What about Data? Yes, him too. But not Worf. Worf was later. Worf wasn't in the first... Was he there in the beginning? No. Yeah, right. But anyway... You know what I'm saying, friends. We're not going to have a spinoff without having some of the originals in there. So who's it going to be? Well, let's see here. Now, because I already know about the Dr. Weir thing, we're going to ignore it. And I think you let slip that uh, that uh, um, uh, Jack O'Neill is going to be there, too. So I'm going to ignore him, too. So then, 
who is the person that's going to be there that's going to tie it all together? It's going to be Lieutenant, no, what's his grade? Siler. It's going to be Siler. Siler. He's a sergeant. Sergeant Siler. Star, Stargate Scotty is going to be there. And what's he doing there? Obviously, he's working on something extremely important. He's working on a machine that's deep underground in the caver ice caverns of Antarctica. And why are they there? That's because that's where this whole thing's been going the entire time. He's wrenching away at something. He's trying to get it to work. And he's messing with crystals because that's what you do. But his time spent in the SGC and with the SG-1 team in particular has given him the hope and the audacity to try something new. So he puts a red crystal where a blue crystal should go. What? The earth starts to shake. The whole earth shakes. The whole earth. Capital E Earth starts to shake. Wow. And from the depths of the ocean in the middle of the Atlantic rises none other than the words Stargate Atlantis. This was actually a promo to get you to watch for uh, when it's going to be on Sci-Fi starting this Tuesday, June 17, 24. Yes, join us for the first, whatever. Stargate Atlantis, rise. I had to try. Oh, I appreciate I had to try. You, Zach was just giving me a look, everybody. So. I, I was just wondering where All you right. were going with it. I didn't know. I never know. Uh, which is why it's always interesting. <laughs> Stargate Rising, cause 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 Siler did other thing with this with this with the wrench. Okay. And it's a stuff. Are you ready? Atlantis is well, ready. I'm gonna hit play now. Okay, so I guess so. Okay. Oh, we gotta make sure my volume is up. Yeah, so that we can hear it. Yep. Oh yes, because it was like all down. Yeah. Alright, here we go. We've gotten closer and closer to finding the location of the lost city, but it turns out we've been looking in the wrong place all along. This was Jackson. It was Jackson, not Siler. <laughs> now we thought we had a Stargate address. Six symbols representing coordinates in space. It's oh, McKay! It's the planet the ancients went to after they left Antarctica. Now recently we determined a seventh symbol. The point of origin, Earth. That's not it. Then your address must be incorrect. Not incorrect. Incomplete. What are you saying, Dr. Jackson? It's an eight-symbol address. What we're looking for may be further away than we ever imagined, but it's not out of reach. Atlantis. Atlantis. Ah! We can go there. It's not on Earth. It's not on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, new gate. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Joe Flanagan. Tori Higginson. <laughs> oh my. Screaming alien, Rachel Luttrell. <laughs> Rainbow Sun Franks. And David Hewitt as Dr. McKay. It's rising. It is rising. Is that what they were talking about? Let's have to find out. Boy, this is epic. Whoa. Whoa. Jacket, it's not too late for me. No. I mean, just grab my no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. I am looking forward to this. So, uh, I have to say that... Uh, the theme music for Atlantis rocks. Yeah, I, I, that was pretty. Yes, 
Way better than SG-1s. Yes. I mean, yeah. SG-1's fine, but, but that was that, better. that's way better. Yeah. Yep. Well, next time, we will look at Stargate SG... Well, not Stargate no. SG-1. Stargate Atlantis. Yes. Season 1, Episode 1 and 2, Rising. It's a double part. It's harder. a double part, of course. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about that next time. Uh, thanks very much for all of your comments. Uh, uh, we're back. Yes, we're back. We're back. Yes. Another high five. Another high five. Uh, so tell us what you think about all of this stuff. Email us at walkingthroughstargate.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Go to Facebook. Do all the things. Yep. Smash the buttons, whatever it is. Hit the likes. Uh, if you want to get uh, the videos on YouTube that are these promos, then you can... Uh, there's a YouTube. Use a YouTube. Go to it. Subscribe, follow, all that stuff. Sure. I don't know all the details we of don't, that. It, it, it's, it's an enigma to the whole world, and that makes it hilarious. It, it is quite hilarious. But if you want those notified, then you can do the things. Um, and with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time! Bye! Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.